welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Um, uh, well, we were a little rough coming out of the gate there. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to decide whether or not I'll leave that in. Uh, the listeners know, Please. listener knows by now whether or not I left that in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I've got a bit of a pit in my stomach because you and I are going to disagree today. Yeah. And that's, I, 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 we're not that kind of show. We're not the kind of show where it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of the show that's like that, but uh, we don't like disagree. It's not, with each it's other not Hannity all. and Combs, although right. according to one iTunes review, it is. Right. So, um, but we, yeah, we uh, decided last minute to change the topic because there's something that happened uh, in the world of filmed entertainment this week that yeah. uh, got us thinking about things in different ways. I so think, we're going to disagree, though it does, uh, and, I'm, happen. and I'm, I'm nervous about it. Though it did, though it's technically TV, I think you can extrapolate larger things well, we'll, from it. We'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. actually, I want to talk about that. Okay, um, but also I wanted to talk. So I want to talk about something we do agree on, What's which that? is the thing we were talking about uh, regarding jury duty before we started oh, recording. Yeah. That uh, I think it should be uh, mandatory. Now we, uh, I, I said on Twitter. Okay, here's the thing. A coworker of mine got selected to be on a jury. Mm-hmm. They told her it's probably going to be about a ten day trial. My employer told her, well, we only pay five days of jury duty. After that, you're going to have to take vacation days. That's infuriating and unbelievable to me. That That's very frustrating. Jury duty is something that is, it's our, it's our duty, which is good. It's something, I, you know, I've never shied away from jury duty. Never. I've only gotten it once. And I got on a jury and it was fun. Um, guilty or not guilty? Uh, it was a, a civil case. Oh, so right. it was more about liable or not liable. Which one was it? Um... Well, which one did we decide on? Yeah. The jury said that the, they were not liable. Okay. Uh, I felt that they were. Um, Doesn't it have to be unanimous? Uh, no, I think it just has to be a major- majority. We're not deciding the death penalty here. Oh, that's true. Um, oh, I don't like that. But basically, to be vague about that case, cl- there was a guy who was clearly going into restaurants, finding ways in which they didn't comply with the Americans oh, with Disability yes. Act and suing them. Yes, yes. And that's kind of, that's kind of crummy. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, I don't like the guy who was doing it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the truth is they weren't, they didn't comply. Yeah. They were, by the letter of the law, they were non-compliant and therefore they should have been liable. But that's not, that's neither here nor there. That guy's a bit of a sleaze. Oh, de- oh totally. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Is there a law against being a sleaze? <laughs> no, just the, in the, only in Let's the court of public opinion. Let's see this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I was saying that I felt that because it's uh, something that is mandatory, it should also be mandatory. I said for employers to pay pay you while you're a jury duty, duty no matter how long it takes. You went one step further. Yes, because when you are an independent contractor, as I am, uh, right. you do not have an employer. And so it would be one more way to screw people who are an independent contractor. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And so, uh, I went so far as to say that w- being conservative as I am, I don't necessarily like the idea of the government paying for things, uh, paying for too much is what I mean to say. Uh, but in this case I view it not unlike a draft, which I'm not in favor of a draft, but, um, you know, soldiers who get drafted into the army, they, are paid and this is being drafted to do your civic duty and so i think you should get paid for it by the government by the government all right like I'm there's no because it's, as, as i was saying it's not the employer's fault either like they the burden shouldn't right. be on the employee it shouldn't it also should not be on the employer it's not their fault it's not it's, their fault but it's all i would say if it's an agreement you enter into for doing business on american soil <laughs> you know like, okay this is part of the deal 
It seems to me we're getting political now. I feel like employers, they seem to be agreeing to more and more without knowing it uh, the more they do. Is it their fault they're not knowing it? Uh, They're not doing the research? There's a lot of research to do when it comes to uh, regulations uh, for businesses. Being married well, to a, I know. being married to a small business owner. I'd if becoming, I started a business, I would do all the research. I would be on top of everything, and it would go perfectly. It would go. It would abso- be me and yeah. the government walking hand in hand into the sunset. Absolutely, at the end of every business day. Absolutely, <laughs> walking away from your customers. Um, anyway. Well, we talked way early in the show in episodes that aren't available. Speaking of starting businesses, about the rules you and I had if we ran movie theaters, oh, my. we would be so out of business, but it would be the perfect movie theater. Everyone would be so fucking quiet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no Mostly because be, nobody will be there. Because mine was no food would be served, which you disagreed with. Right. Uh, but literally, no food. It would yeah. be served or allowed. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, that, that, was, that was the basic idea. No cell phones, no talking, no food. Yeah, mine was you're spending, you'd be spending so much money on staffers because it would be somebody's job to simply stand in the theater and watch for people using their phones or talking. Yeah. They have no other job. Yeah, and we wouldn't be making money in concessions, which is how movie theaters <laughs> stay in business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't make any sense. Also, yeah, you can't be even a second late for the movie. That, that was my other thing. Does that include trailers? Um... Uh, I don't think there'll be trailers in my okay. fancy imaginary. So theater. just just commercials. Got it. Got <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, it's got to make money somehow. Um, um, yeah. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is aperture dot com. Oh my! <laughs> yes, that is the point. I was going to lead with double feature because of our guest last week, but that's fine. Um, okay, this episode is sponsored by Aperture, providing quality movie making equipment at an affordable price. Now, David. Yeah. I know a number of independent filmmakers, and they've often told me about the high price of equipment rental and the even higher price to purchase the equipment. Uh, Aperture is committed to helping independent filmmakers and photographers achieve their dream without going bankrupt, and they do ship all over the country. So to find out more, just go to Aperture.com, that's A-P-U-T-U-R-E.com, or click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com. All right. So... Okay. Um, that's enough top of the show type stuff, right? Sure. Do we have another uh, bills to pay? Well, we have another ad, but let's... Uh, we have two more. Well, three, actually. Yeah, you want to do tweaks real uh, quick? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, no, let's let's hold off on that. Okay. Um, let's talk about double feature. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we should do that. <laughs> Damn it. I just... <laughs> Sorry. Well, here. How about get I, it away from it. How about I tell you about tweakedaudio.com? Let's just go ahead and get this done. I'm sure the advertisers would like it being front-loaded before sure. people have gotten bored. Um or annoyed at our uh, being strident at one another, um, which is certain to happen <laughs> that today. That is true. Um, com is where you go for professional quality earbuds. I was actually just listening to my com earbuds at work today, using Spotify at work, which I'm technically not supposed to have, um, but uh, <laughs> listening to music and thinking, I like these earbuds. Yeah. I really do. They're yellow, mm-hmm. the ones I have. They're my favorite color. I don't know if you can see my desk over there, but... Uh but yeah, you'll see those uh, big noise canceling uh, headphones. I was using those. To, those are tweaked. Oh uh, yeah, you know, and uh, they I have them for a number of reasons because sometimes uh, it's very, as I've said before, it can be very noisy in my alleyway while sure. I work. And uh, those things they cancel out noise, often to my detriment because I will not hear the doorbell. <laughs> I won't hear uh, oh, my yeah. phone. That's a perfect example. I was listening to music at work today, and one of my. Uh, fellow employees who sits about three desks down 
I am'd me and said, can you please pick up your phone? <laughs> and I realized, oh, my phone's, my phone's ringing. So this is all a testament. TweakedAudio.com is going to cost us our jobs and our marriages, but it's only because they're so good that it's worth it. It's like, Absolutely. I mean, it's like that, that high you get from when you, when you get a blackjack. You just keep chasing that. You know, you ruin your life, but it's worth it. Absolutely. It's so good. Uh, that's what TweakedAudio.com is like. To find those, you go to TweakedAudio.com, and to get our special friends and family discount of one-third off and uh, no shipping charges, you go to TweakedAudio.com slash pretension. Okay. All right. Are we doing the rest of these? Let's, 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 let's at least do double feature right now. Okay. This episode is sponsored by the Double Feature Podcast, co-hosted by Eric13, our guest last week. Never heard of him. I wish. Uh, every episode, they pick two movies and discuss them from every angle possible. The latest episode hasn't gone up yet, so I'll just tell you about upcoming episodes. They will soon be talking about movies like Big Fan with Pat Oswalt, Do the Right Thing, and Manhattan starting in October. They'll talk about such scary movies as Your Next, The Mist, and Cachet, which I think is inter- an interesting film to talk about uh, around Halloween. Uh, so to listen to their show, just huh. go to doublefeatureshow.com or click on the ad at battleshippretension.com. All right. Speaking of your next, I bought the Blu-ray the other day. It's pretty good. Uh, I haven't watched it. Mean, I've seen the movie before. I haven't watched yeah. the Blu-ray yet. But uh, it was an impulse buy, uh, which I always... <laughs> I saw that on... Uh, I used to be that way when I went to Target. Uh, yeah, but then when dangerous. That, when that became my grocery... Sh- grocery store of choice because its prices are surprisingly cheaper than ralph's uh you wouldn't think that uh but uh once that happened i realized i can't be doing this every, every time. time yeah yeah otherwise we'll be out of money uh so yeah it, impulse buy i guess i won some money in vegas a couple weeks ago there you go well i lost the first night i won the second night. i technically broke even yeah but i had cash in hand yeah uh yeah i picked up your next and public enemies which i was like how do i not own public enemies on blu-ray i'm like the internet's leading champion of that film that's pretty that's pretty much true <laughs> even michael mann at this point is like yeah it's fine i guess um you know if you like that kind of thing um uh, anyway that's uh but yeah i don't uh this is a bit off topic but tell me if you agree with me because we're both neurotic people okay whenever i buy and do an impulse buy like that i'm very excited i have new movies oh yeah and then a part of me immediately starts beating myself up saying, David, fall movie season's coming up, fall TV season's coming up, hockey season's coming up, plus there are untold thousands of movies you've never seen before. What are you, you're going to spend, Public Enemies is two hours and 20 minutes long, you're going to spend two hours and 20 minutes watching a movie you've already seen when there's so much you haven't seen and there's so much coming up. And so I immediately started like getting a little uh, anxious, uh, having a little bit of an anxiety thing uh, David, on the walk to the car. You're reading my mail because uh, <laughs> that's what happens. Not necessarily, I don't really buy a lot of movies anymore. I, I get them as gifts and that sort of thing. And then, you know, a lot of movies we get uh, for free uh, uh, from Criterion and that sort of thing. We which have is, to watch and review. Exactly. Yes. And I, it, they're not just gifts for yes, existence. Yes, there are demands on our time. And so, uh, but I will say that if I rewatch something, especially if it's something I've seen like a million times before, part of me is like, come on, man. Uh-huh. There are things I own that I haven't seen yeah, that I bought because did. I assumed I would like them. And then I haven't watched them. And what it often comes to is, well, I'm, you know, I'm more in the mood for this. And it's like, of course you are. You are the same person you are you were a few weeks ago or a few <laughs> months ago. You're, this is your default mood. 
<laughs> so try to get out of that mood yeah. and get into the mood of this movie that you haven't seen that you think you'll probably still like. Yeah, I started bargaining with myself. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish watching this movie tonight. I'm gonna wake up a little bit earlier tomorrow so I can get my 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 errands done, mm-hmm. and I'll have time to watch this 14 hour Ken Burns Roosevelt documentary. Oh boy. Uh, that's all yeah i yeah i uh, which i'm not even four hours into and they're already done with the first roosevelt presidency but i guess that makes sense because the second roosevelt was president for uh, many many more years than the first yeah. roosevelt yeah he was president like what I don't know, 38 years Something roughly like yeah um yeah and so uh yeah that's a uh, you know it, it's a it's a thing that i have a hard time with uh but then i remind myself i'm gonna be dead someday either way <laughs> You arrive there and it cheers you right up. It does actually. That's true. Like there's yes. nothing I can do. Why am I trying to get everything in order? Yeah. Like I mean no matter like all everything that we at any one of us in this entire world ever does with our lives is just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic because death is coming for all of us. We are all going to die. There's no way around it. So why do I get so worried about this stuff? David, why don't we just kill each other right now? <laughs> let's do it. Well, first, let's argue. And, uh, yeah. First, let's have an argument. I don't, I'm not even sure if it's going to be that much of an argument, to be honest with you. Well, I'm in a good mood now. Okay. Um, you lent me some of the beer in your fridge, Indeed. including a Lagunitas IPA. I usually don't talk about what beer I'm drinking because mm-hmm. it's usually cheap shit beer that I get at the uh, the liquor store. I will say mm-hmm. the name of the liquor store, but I don't know if people want to know where your neighborhood is. Also, we don't want to alienate a future sponsor. <laughs> yeah. But you have, I don't know, from some past party guest. Yeah. You have a Lagunitas IPA, which is one of my favorite beers uh, in the world. I'm a big That's fan exciting. of, I'm a big fan of California beers. I've become, I've become a real California pride guy. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Los Angeles in particular, but California in general, even though I haven't seen that much of it north of Santa Barbara. <laughs> you've, been to, you've been to San Francisco, right? I've never been to San Francisco. Oh, been, you'll love it. I've been north of San Francisco to, to Sonoma, okay. to the Sonoma area. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I've never been to San Francisco. I drove, I drove through Oakland on the way to Sonoma. <laughs> Um, not exactly the same, admittedly, but, uh, yeah, I took a trip to San Francisco and I really, really enjoyed it. And I think you would, I think you would flip for it. And here's what you do. Just, uh, head on into my old stomping grounds, uh, Bakersfield and Taft, uh-huh. and, uh, you'll lose that California pride pretty quickly. So. Uh, Buck Owens, though, is from Bakersfield. All right. Um, that's not hundred percent sure who that is. Country music uh, legend, Buck, Buck Owens. Damn. Who am I thinking of? Oh, I'm uh, thinking of Buck Henry. <laughs> <laughs> thinking of a very different person. All right. So. Um, let's talk about, um, I was a teenage wear skunk. Okay. Our last sponsor for the day. Thank God. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you can all unclench. Yeah. Is I was a teenage wear skunk. The comic homage to the horror films of the 1950s. The story is about a teenage boy sprayed by an enchanted skunk. Now, whenever he is aroused, he turns into a horrible wear skunk. So if you're a teenage boy, that means he's, I don't know, a wear skunk all the time. <laughs> a horrible one. Um, a horrible one. Not one of the nice ones. Yeah. Oh, it wouldn't be a horror movie if he was a nice <laughs> right. one. Um, so the filmmakers are attempting to raise money via Kickstarter to get this film off the ground, and they are over halfway there with two weeks to go. So I think this will happen. Uh, and so if you're interested in seeing their vision realized, just click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com and contribute to their Kickstarter. Every little bit helps. Uh, I like these guys. I like their tone. They seem to have a really good sense of humor. And and also, as is often the case with movies like this, uh, there seems to be some parody elements, but also a great deal of affection uh, for the thing that they are parodying, which I like. 
parody with I'm trying to think of like a parody with just that's just scornful. Scornful is that a word? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of one, but when I when you think of parody, you think of something like a like a genre parody. You think of like Blazing Saddles, mm-hmm. and I or young or even Young Frankenstein kind right, of where there's a clear love. For absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think you can make a good parody if you don't love the thing you're paradizing. Paradising, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean that's a that's a cliche. Everyone says that. So yeah. uh, let's move on to our fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned this is about TV, and specifically this is about True Detective. And okay. I think before we get into this, I want to talk about um, True Detective season one, which you still haven't watched, right? I still have not watched it. I'm. I'll tell you what. I'm finishing the last season. Uh, the sorry, the previous season of Boardwalk Empire. Okay. When I am done with that, I think I will move on to True Detective. Okay. Because that is a thing that I genuinely want to. Not unlike Boardwalk Empire, I don't want to just have it on while I'm working, glancing over there from time to time. Uh, shows like that, I feel like are are visually fascinating, and so I want to be able to sit down and really devote time and energy to it. So that's why I haven't gotten around to it yet. I tend not to have a lot of time, certainly not for television. Um, but yeah, so True Detective is the next one on the list. Well, uh, True Detective season one does something that doesn't doesn't happen very often in um, television, especially American television, which is that it's a self-contained series all directed by the same guy. Mm-hmm. That's just not the model of television making. Yeah. Um, there are, there are uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exceptions. Uh, the the wonderful uh, British miniseries State of Play, all directed by David Yates. Yeah. Um, which is, if all you've seen is that boring American version of the movie, um, do yourself a favor and check out the the British miniseries. It is fantastic. It's much better. Yeah. Um, anyway. Now, uh, there, there were some people back, uh, whenever True Detective aired back in the spring, um, uh, there were some people sort of, I don't know, glibly saying that uh oh true detective season one is one of the best movies of the year so far um and that's not uh i don't like that because i do i do still put a difference between what is tv and what is movies yeah but um increasingly i find that difference uh being blurred this is not what the episode is about but this is just something that i wanted to talk about because season two it's been announced that we're going to talk about season two announcements mm-hmm. in different ways in which they've disappointed me, perhaps okay. uh, in different ways in which they've excited me as, as well. I'm still planning to watch it, but it's already announced that won't be the case. There won't be J- Justin Lin, I guess, is doing episodes one and two, but I don't think Justin Lin is doing all of True Detective season yeah. two. And I understand it's got to be a huge burden to, to make yeah. essentially an eight hour movie um, schedule wise. I know yeah. the storytelling is not is still segmented in a television way, but in terms of working with your assistant director and your crew and plotting out scheduling and working, it's essentially like making, uh, four movies in a row, I guess. Um, so I understand why they wouldn't, but, uh, you've also got things like, um, Jane Campion's top of the lake Mm -hmm. that aired on Sundance in five, I think five parts on the Sundance channel, um, as a mini series. But if you watch it, it's clearly not meant that way. The, they were cut up in weird places, and when it when it played hmm. at Sundance, they played it 
as one with an intermission. I think they serve lunch okay. and stuff. Um, same with uh, Olivia Sayas Carlos about uh, Carlos the Jackal. Okay. It's also about five hours long. And when it played at like Cannes or whatever, I don't think there or New York Film Festival. I'm not sure where it played. I don't think there even was an intermission. I think they just they were like, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah, <laughs> use the bathroom now. You're sitting here for five hours. Um, wow. But when that aired on Sundance, I think they. They chopped it up into like three hours, so they were like about an hour and a half each or whatever. Um, uh, but uh, I just I feel like that 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 line is becoming increasingly blurred between movies and television. And this might be a topic from the day, but I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. Um, I, I I think the side I'm coming down on is that. Um, just because this is happening in these miniseries type things doesn't mean that traditional TV do- is going to go was, away. I was going to say that it, it's hardly a thing that's happening for every show. So yeah. if one show wants to embrace that, that's fine and and can afford to because it's this almost a series of of miniseries. Yeah. Um, whereas I think a, an, a long running show that is serialized, I don't think it can ever be exactly like one long movie every season. I don't think it can be that. Right. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Well, let's get on to other announcements from True Detective. Really sink our teeth into this. Well, I want to give the backstory to, because this came from a Twitter thing, like most good conversations uh, do. Um, Although not the conversations themselves, not the Twitter conversation itself. The conversation that comes after is usually pretty good. So I said something on Twitter about, they, they made the first casting announcements, um, for, uh, season two of True Detective. And it was Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, and though th- those, those though are not they the, were not the detectives. The, well, I think Colin Farrell is. A he is, but Vince Vaughn is not. Yes. And there are rumors that uh, the other detective is going to be Rachel McAdams, which I think is uh, very germane to our conversation and yes. will come, be coming up later. Um, but I felt. And there was even talk after season one because, you know, people loved season one, but. Um, it was uh it, it didn't have very many if any at all depending on how you feel about michelle monaghan's character um fully developed female characters mm-hmm. um and i personally think that you can hold the two ideas in your head at one time you can say true detective season one was great that's a shame that it didn't have this but it doesn't affect the quality for me. Sure. I think this is where we get and start, start to get we're wading into the differences, though, here. Um, because after season one, there was uh, some talk from um, uh, creator and writer of True Detective, Nick Pizzolatto, about um, having more of a female point of view in season two. And so it uh, stung to me, even though I actually I like Colin Farrell and I like Vince Vaughn. Um, despite some of them, you know, plenty of actors have made bad choices, plenty of, and, you know, I was actually just talking about this with, uh, my wife, um, <laughs> uh, recently after a movie that we saw that also had Vince Vaughn in it. Not, not important though. Um, anyway, and she was like, that movie had a good cast. How did they all pick this bad movie? Yeah. And I really like the way movies are made. They don't know what's going to be a bad movie when they sign on a lot of the time, you know? Um, and so this is already a tangent, but um, the fact that Colin Farrell was in Daredevil and Vince Vaughn was in the Psycho remake or a couple, a couple yeah, and up until two years ago, Matthew McConaughey's career was about as uh, DOA right, right. as you got. <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was about as DOA as all those ghosts of his girlfriend's past <laughs> in that one movie, um, 
with Jennifer Garner? Is that the uh, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, yeah, that's well, it ties in. It's also always Matthew McConaughey and a woman to be interchanged in yes, those kind of exactly, movies, yeah. right? Uh, so, and that fits into the conversation we're talking about because it stung to me when it was two white guys who were announced. Um, and I'll admit it was not just a reaction just to this casting news. It was mixed with the comments at the end of season, after season one that the creator had made about wanting to have more female point of view. It's also after the same thing happened with Dr. Who, mm-hmm. the same thing happened with, uh, David Letterman's replacement. There was, uh, also an uproar, which we talked about on the show, um, with the new star Wars cast announcement that it was like six new characters and only one of them was uh, a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will actually, we'll talk more about star Wars in a bit as well. Yeah. Um, so the culmination of that, it just felt like uh, it just it was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And I was just like, fuck, can we like can we not ever expand beyond this? Can we not keep having this one point of view represented over and over again? Is it uh, why is it so difficult and why mm-hmm. are uh, I'm going to use the bugaboo word executives why are executives assuming that this is a risk Mm -hmm. i think i think that's a lot of what it is you think you think it's an executive thing um don't get me wrong i love laying any kind of bad thing on the (laughs) feet at the feet of executives well i think uh let's get into the this this will tie back into the cat the the star wars thing okay because that initial cast was announced and then later they were like oh we've got a couple more female characters to add later and this is, seems to be the same thing happening with true detective season two is oh we're gonna you know we're gonna announce the female character later and it's like i understand part of that maybe rachel mcadams hasn't signed the contract yet right. when you had the contract pay attention to the fervor pay attention to what's going on on the internet and Wait until you have Rachel McAdams and announce her first. That just seems like the be- the better business move. I th- that I agree with completely because I mean think about it. This is a this is a conversation that you were having a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Would this conversation have even would it have even taken place if they'd led with Rachel McAdams? Yeah, if it had been and Rachel McAdams and Colin Farrell, and then three days later, like Vince Vaughn's going to be in this too. Yeah, that would have been it. Would have totally changed the tenor of things. Because then, what it appears is, and and then the other the other question, of course, there's no way to definitively answer this. Um, I'm sorry, what's the Nick something? Pizzolatto. Pizzolatto. I don't like that. Um, oh, you don't like Italians? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, if he hadn't said stuff, you know after season one about wanting the female point of view. And then apparently based on casting news, apparently being like, Oh, I guess he abandoned that. It's, but if the, if he had literally said, I'm looking at a female point of view, we've got Rachel McAdams. Then it's like, all right, right. Uh, set up and, and pay off. And this is why I lay it more at the feet of HBO than, yeah. Uh, than at the feet of Nick Pizzolatto. And, and again, with, with, with star Wars, I, I don't lay that at the feet of, Sorry, who's directing? Uh, has it been announced who's directing the new Star Wars movie? I'm trying to remember. Oh, jeez. Uh, I, I want to say it's Stephen Bochco. It's someone from TV. <laughs> someone from the TV world. Is Norman Lear still around? <laughs> there are going to be a lot of social yeah. issues in it's, Star Wars. Oh, it's David E. Kelly. It's That's a David E. Kelly movie. Um, anyway, one. I don't lay it at David E. Kelly's feet. <laughs> I lay it at, at, at Disney's feet for, for getting this cast uh, out 
get, getting the announcement out and being sort of tone deaf, I think, or just ignorant uh, of the way that's going to be received. Right. Um, so it has, in your opinion, it has less to do, well, in this particular instance, and then, of course, we'll talk to the, uh, speak to the larger thing later. Um, in this particular instance, it has less to do with the ultimate decisions made and more to do with, what was it? Who was, I think it was um, Lewis Black years ago when the Iraq war like was just kicking in. So this was a while ago. And he said, he goes, look, if you want to have a war, go, go ahead. They do it all the time. It's fine. But you need to manipulate me better, you know, and it's almost like if you want to have these casting decisions, fine, but you need to at least acknowledge how this will come across. Yeah. And there, like you said, a tone deafness. Yeah. The same part of the Emma Watson is making this speech to the U.N. that's got that 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 is, you know, galvanizing and inspiring people. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're just missing the. The, the conversation they seem mm-hmm. to not be aware that this conversation is going on in that uh feminism isn't something that happened with gloria steinem in the 70s mm-hmm. like feminism is riding an incredibly strong wave right now of support both from women and men and from many different uh corners and to be just not aware that that is going to f- to inform people's perceptions of entertainment news uh is is just ridiculous and there is an insular quality to hollywood though like executives they don't i think it's fair to say that executives tend not to have their finger on the pulse of society they might have their finger on the pulse of a certain demographic and of course the key demographic is what what i don't know like it's males 18 to 30 uh, 35 i believe it might even be 45 but like you know that's why there have been four transformer films uh with you know the interchangeable like all right well uh okay megan fox is out who who else can we get that's basically just that um and so they only they they would only care about that and what other executives might be doing and of course, the artists, the directors, and the show run, you know, show creators and stuff, they're probably more tuned into that. But ultimately, when it comes to executive decisions, and, and uh, I would also say maybe the publicity departments of certain studios, they don't care about that. It, it's, sorry, hang on. I'm not even sure if I'd say they don't care so much as they're just not aware of it because nothing about the way they run their business requires them to be aware of it. You know, a lot of what you're saying right now is something that I absolutely, I absolutely agree with it. I guess we're not going to fight as much as we thought, but like, I absolutely agree with, but that's you and me. That's two guys who have a podcast and the Emma Watson thing aside, like I, I just, I, I find myself wondering only when, only when there's money, will it break through and executives will pay attention. But even then, uh, I think, uh, um, if you, uh, I'm trying to think of, there was some other, uh, tidbit that leaked out this week that apparently way back before the Avengers initiative, before that, there was talk of doing a black widow movie, which I would love. Uh, but I guess it had something to do and forgive me because I was at a very busy week at work. So the entertainment news that I'd skimmed while I was at work in some cases didn't always sink in, okay. but it was something about what was the, um, uh, the Charlize Theron movie, um, that was like Eon Flux, but not Eon Flux. 
uh oh hell ultraviolet was that charlie theron who was that i don't i don't think that's her i think ultra so was we're it, getting wait, into eon flux was, was her okay so maybe that's what i'm thinking of like okay. eon flux wasn't a success and so the black widow movie didn't happen and that's the kind of thing we I talked can- about that when aaron gibson was on we talked about how many because tammy failed at the box office right how many female driven comedies are now going to get put on the on the shelf right whereas if horrible bosses 2 sucks you know that doesn't it's not going to stop the next movie about three you know white men man child man children uh, getting into antics boy it's so it's so strange the the executive mindset but you know at the same time it is it is very well researched, and while I may not agree with their conclusions, maybe they're con- maybe they're right and I'm wrong. Because part of me thinks like you're looking at Aeon Flux. How about this? Look at the Avengers. If <laughs> Thor can do well, right. Thor again. This is before that, but yeah. Okay, still. But if that can do well, then certainly you know what? Okay, this is gonna. Sa- I apologize for how this is gonna sound. I'm trying to go into the mind of an executive. All uh-huh. right. I hope you can make it back out. Do you want me to, you want to walk in on a rope? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in Poltergeist? <laughs> yeah, and there'll be all this weird stuff hanging off it that's like really disturbing afterwards. Um, yeah, it's super attractive Scarlett Johansson in skin tight leather. Right. Getting Again, this it, getting is a Black Widow before Scarlett Johansson was Black Widow. This is okay. like this is like 04 or 05. 04 or 05. Okay. When superhero movies were okay. if that's still the, kind of new. If that's the case, then frankly, any superhero that wasn't a name is a risk. But if they're not thinking of a Black Widow movie right now, and there have been rumors here and there, but not nearly as big. Like, it's much bigger. They're like, right. oh, a Doctor Strange film. It's like, we don't even know. I know who that is. But, like, the public doesn't. They have no idea who that right. is. And Kevin uh, Feige, Feige, I don't know how you say his name. The guy yeah. from the head of Marvel. Always our friend, our good friend, uh, good friend, uh, Angie Han. Uh, my good friend. You've met her like once. I met her once. Yeah. Um, which is still weird to me. I feel like you would know her. She's all right. But, um, she compiled a while ago a list of different interviews with him in which he's asked about the idea of a Black Widow movie and all the different excuses he's given um, for why there hasn't been one, including um, uh, Iron Man 2 was essentially a Black Widow movie. Captain America 2 was essentially a Black Widow movie. Uh, it's it, it's ridiculous. I just thought it was uh, She does funny. play prominently in those films, but what? <laughs> yeah. He's, I'm sorry, which... Iron Man 2, Captain America 2, but I guess the uh Captain the, America 2 even has the name of another character in it. Yeah. Winter Soldier is a bigger character. Uh, which Black Widow does not play the Winter Soldier. No. Uh, from what I understand. Um you haven't seen the film, but, you don't know. Yeah, you're right. I haven't seen it. But to get uh to try and pull it pull it back. Um it, it seem it seems bizarre to me especially in the realm of television. Like in big blockbuster movies, I I know, yes, those kind of movies, most of the money is made off of teenage boys. Uh, I don't think that's something you necessarily should be steering into, but maybe it's true. In television, lots and lots of women watch television. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you need, the fact that we're, the fact that we, we, we have to sit here and make arguments uh, is ridiculous. It people who make television shouldn't have to be talked into uh casting women they should like you know no. they should have to be talked out of it if no. if they, they shouldn't be talked out of it but if there were some reasons <laughs> yes. they would need they should, if there were some reason we didn't want women to cast the movies anymore or tv shows anymore well david now you're getting into my argument 
Um, but I want to get you have points you wanted to make that were specific to this true detective thing, mm-hmm. and so I wanted I, this all was sort of table setting about just I guess trying to get into my mindset when Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn were announced. It kind of um, I'm not going to say it ruined my day, but uh, it wasn't. Like, my reaction to it wasn't like, ah, damn, here's a tweet. Like, I kept going back. Like, my mind kept going back to it all day. Like, again? Really? No. After every chance you have, and it seems like you're that, that True Detective was in a very specific position to, 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 to strike this blow or whatever, or take this step. Mm-hmm. Um, and to once again shrink from it is is disappointing to me um now to 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 uh anticipate your point a little bit um i still think there's a pretty good chance true detective season two is going to be good i still plan to watch it uh the fact that justin lynn is a of course i haven't seen the first one but still the idea that justin lynn who's notably different than carrie fukunaga okay oh good i was that's what I was going to say, and uh, and I was sheepish. Um, but uh, so notably different uh, in tone, I'm ex- I think that idea is neat. We'll see how it turns out. But anyway, um, I'm sorry, you were about to say something? No, I think I okay. made my point that, that I, I'm, this isn't about the quality of True Detective. This is a, a macro discussion yeah. of True Detective. It, True Detective stepped into a shitstorm in terms of timing, uh, for me at least. So what I'll say is that uh, I'll I'll talk to some of, speak to some of the uh, larger points that have come about in the last, let's say, couple of months. Um, Not that I'm going to necessarily defend it, because when it comes to things like a talk show, I'm a bit where everybody is themselves. Mm-hmm. Like even Stephen Colbert is not playing the Colbert character. Right. He's going to be himself now. Yeah. And which is so weird to think of. Cause he's, is that he's, I think of him as that character yeah. first and foremost, but anyway, That's true. um, but so I, so I don't necessarily want to defend this. I will say Stephen Colbert taking over, uh, the late show, that makes sense to me. A lot of people made a big deal of it. It's like, it's the late show. It needs to compete with the Tonight Show. They're not going to get a no-name. And at this point, the only no-name, like, Aisha Tyler. I don't think of her as a no-name. But right. I guess. With the, sorry, the only non-no-name right. is, like, her. Aside from that, it's dominated by men. Where I think they could have done... So that... It makes sense to me just from a standpoint of like it's the it's a sy- systemic thing. They want a name, which limits them. Uh, limits them to white yeah. men because that's that's who, all that's there. It's a self. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a uh, as one of the characters says in the recent film White Bird in a Blizzard. It's like a vicious circus, <laughs> aren't they all? <laughs> um, but the uh, but where they can make a difference where they can take risks and historically where they have taken risks is the next slot, the next time slot. And Craig Ferguson is out. He himself being a big risk. Right. Um, and of course they brought in admittedly a no name. I don't know who he is and he's British. Yeah. Um, I, I know him as an actor. Um, I'm sure he'll do fine, but at the same time, that's where you can take a risk. And then from, and then when the time comes and Stephen Colbert leaves, maybe this person gets brought in, you know, that would be amazing. Uh, but in that, that's where I get frustrated um, is that you had an opportunity and, and you, you know, you missed out on it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and then you and I often talk about like who would be good Oscar hosts. Um, and yeah. I think the Golden Globes have shown that uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler have a nice chemistry. Yeah. I think it's I think it's it could happen that they they well, wind up there. I, after this year's Emmys, which I don't know if you watched this year's Emmys. I did not. Um, who who hosted? Seth Meyers hosted, and he did a great job. Okay, but in her uh, acceptance and in her presentations, Julia Louis Dreyfus stole the show. Oh, of and course she Julia did. Julia Louis Dreyfus hosting the Emmys it seems like a no brainer to me. She can do virtually no wrong. Uh, in <laughs> yeah. my mind, I, I, I of course you knew my favorite film last year was Enough Said. Yeah, I love her in Veep. I love her in Seinfeld. And the more I the more I go back and watch Seinfeld, don't get me wrong. I think. I love every performance more the more I go back to it. But she especially, it's like, she's doing something really... Uh They're all doing something special, don't get me wrong. But she's really doing something amazing. Yeah. For her to... You know, she's one woman, and then there's three guys in the primary cast. uh, And for her to step up the way that she does, without... While still being, like... Not not being just one of the guys, not being, like, some tomboy with... Uh How how is... uh, Paul Tompkins put it like, you know, always wearing overalls and catching frogs, you know, um, but just so like being very much a woman while also being able to be scrappy with these guys and still be very much her own character is astounding to me. I think she's wonderful. It's fantastic. Do you know, you probably do know this because you listen to Hey, Watch This sometimes. Yeah. Julia Julia Louis-Dreyfus is one of only two actors, male or female, Mm -hmm. to win three different Emmys for being a series regular on three different shows, like three completely different characters. Yes. She won one for Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. She won one for the adventures of old Christine, new adventures of old Christine. Yeah. And she's won for veep. Yeah. Many uh, times. I think twice. At yeah. least, okay. Two or three times. Um, the only, do you know who the only other person to do it is? Is it Tyne Daly? It is Tyne Daly. See, I listen to your show. Cagney and Lacey, um, judging Amy, and some show from the 90s that I've already forgotten the name of, yeah, but she won for it. Paul himself was like, what? It's- <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah. And he told me what it was about, but uh, it's like a one person's name. I can't remember. But uh, anyway, that's a bit of, cool bit of trivia for people who don't listen to my TV podcast. So, um, so back to... Which, by the way, people should. I'll say it again. I, just, I haven't said it in a while. It's a very good TV show, a TV podcast, pardon me, um, that you should listen to if you enjoy television. Anyway, um, so, so some of some of what you're talking about, I absolutely understand. But when it comes to, I think, a character-based thing, a character and story-based thing, um, on one level I agree with you. On another level, I don't. I agree with you. I think on a deeper level than mere casting. Um, I ultimately what I think is that people, whether making a f- Let's stick with the dramatic art. So like TV or film or theater, but I don't know much about theater. So we'll stick with TV and film. Um, Giving everybody the benefit of the doubt and saying the directors have a bunch of control. Uh It's a lot of we're making a lot of concessions there. But assuming that then the film is going to be an extension of them and what they want to explore. And so you look at somebody like a Woody Allen Aside from Shiotel Ejiofor and Melinda and Melinda, if that's the name, I don't remember if it's Melinda or Melissa. Uh, I, I believe it's, it's Melinda. Melinda. I never saw it. I never saw it either. Uh, I didn't know he was in it. That's the one with Will Ferrell, right? Yeah. And I believe Shiotel Ejiofor is in it. And so it's like... You <laughs> could be thinking of uh, Serenity. I'm thinking of Serenity. <laughs> Damn it. Um, I love that joke. So, uh, yeah. And so uh, aside from that, I mean, it's very rare for him to cast people of color in his films. 
you know, with the exception something like Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which is a function of where, you know, it takes place. Right. Um, but people tend not people give him crap to a certain extent. But I think people realized a long time ago, every film is, is some somehow him exploring a part of himself. And he himself is he's a, he's completely him. He's very much a mm-hmm. certain type of urban Jewish uh, intellectual type. And so his movies will reflect that in a certain way. And I think people stopped giving him crap about it a long time ago. So then the question I but, think, you know, okay. but he, you know what? But even he you're talking about the minority thing. and I, I get that. But he did any hall. He did interiors. He did blue jasmine. Oh, absolutely. He gets plenty of credit. Yeah. for some of the women that he writes yeah. and he gets plenty of scorn for some of the other women he writes the like 16 yeah. year old girls who fall in love with 50 year olds yeah. usually played by him yeah. that, that's you know he should. again exploring very much himself <laughs> in this instance uh but if if even this uh you know guy who lives a hermetically sealed life inside his own head mm. can write something like blue jasmine yeah uh then why can't we expect people to write more more than just what they know? Well, and that and okay, which goes into the larger thing that I was talking about. Yeah, he 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 can write women very well, and uh, but having not seen a number of films of uh, of his, I will say that like even Annie Hall is, while it is named after her and she did win Best Lead Actress, it is told primarily from his point of view. Yeah, no, um, no I, I understand point of view, but I think... Whereas Blue Jasmine is completely from her point of view. Yeah, There's no but I still think that's a good character. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and Diane, uh, Diane Weiss has won two Oscars in, uh, in Woody yeah. Allen films. Like, um, And what's the one? Husbands and Wives is, uh, yeah, yeah. is great. Judy Davis. Judy Davis, yes. Um, I'm a big Judy Davis fan. Yeah, uh, by the way, yeah, if you... Uh, if you're an actress and you want to get an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress and maybe even win, in fact, you'll probably win, be in a Woody Allen film. Cause, uh, who, but one of the good ones. Be in a good one. It's that's not, the yeah, key. Being Tay Leone in a Hollywood ending is <laughs> not going to guarantee oh, you a trip down the red carpet. There are so many movies that have come out recently uh-huh. that I completely forget about. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't remember Hollywood ending at all. Um, but anyway, so uh, but it leads to the, this larger thing. And so let's say let's say like a Martin Scorsese as well. I mean, I there are obviously like people of color and there are women in his films that are almost always not even almost, I'd say they're always supporting. Mm-hmm. It's always he makes movies about men. Often about Italian men, but not always. Um and so and people are okay with that because that's very much where he started and who he is, and people are okay with that. But it goes to the larger thing that I think you're talking about, which is, okay, so now that we're – if we're willing to cut people that slack, that all right, you want to tell stories that are important to you. But maybe you as the artist and maybe all of us as people who are maybe are trying to express ourselves in some way, maybe if I'm willing to cut you that much slack – I'm trusting that you are going to examine yourself mm-hmm. about why you're only wanting to tell this story and maybe you should branch out a little bit and tell story. But then, sorry, I didn't finish my thought because I always wind up interrupting that thought with another one. Uh-huh. Then if you decide, okay, I'm going to tell the story about this group that I that I don't have a whole lot of exposure to, couldn't that then come across as false? And not merely tokenism false, but literally like, it's just like, oh, geez. Like when, when, like when an older person writes for young people. Yeah. You can tell it from a mile away. Oh, yeah. And so. Oh, man. Or when. It's the worst. I hate when. Uh, I know you didn't see If I Stay, right? I did not. Um, but like 
someone writing a character who's super into rock music and punk rock oh. and clearly just like skimmed a few Wikipedia pages yeah. uh, to drop references to Iggy Pop and the Clash and stuff yeah. that, that like, I've said this before, but like people who can't stand like gore and stuff on mm-hmm. TV and they watch it like through their <laughs> fingers when a character <laughs> is a fan of something on a show yeah. or a TV or a, or a, or a movie. Um, and it comes across really forced and fake. It's it's the most embarrassing thing in the world to me. I, think I we, can't stand. Did we do an episode about that? We I might think have. We did because I think uh, I talked about uh, talk of Tom Waits on Sports Night. Um, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. It's it, oh, it just hurts me to hear. But um, here's what I'm gonna say is the difference. Um, sorry, did you finish your it just point? that that idea? It's like you know perhaps there are some artists that actually do want to branch out and say, okay, I want to explore what it's like to be for, uh, you know, I mean, I want my main character to be black or be a woman or something Mm -hmm. that I am not. But there's this idea. It's like, yeah, but if it doesn't come across as authentic, then people are going to get really upset with me. Well, um, I think the reason true detective is, I think a point of, friction for people who feel different ways about this is because true detective is uh two different things at once it's um it's an uh auteurist work like the thing you're talking about yeah but it is also at this point an ongoing franchise with an open slot okay and i think that's um uh that's the part of it that um rankled me because that's the same thing that happened with doctor who and the same thing that happened with David Letterman and the same thing that happened with Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, and probably more examples where it feels like now this thing is also is kind of an institution and to 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 keep this point of view out of it mm-hmm. going forward uh, feels like you're putting up a bit of a um, a, a wall or, or a gate and saying this is yeah. this is as much as this can be um but the thing is because I, I see your point i see your point of view um about autorism and i see like i said i'm still gonna watch it and i'll still probably like it mm-hmm. um and, and i definitely totally understand that nick pizzolato should do uh i believe that he should have uh, as much autonomy as he can have as an artist and right. do what feels natural to him but in terms of its societal impact no. it is uh uh, again, it's a it's a new slot came open. Uh, there was a there was a promotion available, and um, the uh, the the minorities and women weren't weren't considered or weren't given the job. Uh, real quick, I want to go back to Doctor Who, um, having not seen a single episode ever. Um, <laughs> so I feel like I this should be fine. Uh, but what I do know, being friends with uh, Kyle Anderson, who knows a lot about it, and I believe is writing a book about it. Boy, I hope that's not a secret. Um, I didn't know it. Whoops. <laughs> I guess I'll have to email him, and we'll see how that goes. Um, right, marking down the time code. Yep, please do. Uh, so what I will say is I, I've, I've been able to know enough that I know that the previous Doctor Who was Matt Smith. Yeah. I made specific note of that because that's my brother's name. Um, and then Matt Smith is a young, attractive guy, very very charismatic, and a lot of women like him. Okay. Before that was Christopher Eccleston. No, before that was David Tennant. Really? I thought I thought Christopher Eccleston was in between. No. Um, okay, so De- David Eccleston Tennant. Christopher Eccleston was the one they rebooted Doctor Who with, or restarted oh, okay. Doctor Who with. Okay. And he did a... Uh, I also don't watch the show, but I 
know stuff, okay. I guess. Um, he did a relatively small number of episodes. Okay. And David Tennant did a ton, and Matt Smith did a ton. Yeah, and so David Tennant... Okay, so I will then make the point about David Tennant, is that he is also a younger... Fairly attractive. I know David Tennant as, you know, what's his name from uh, the fourth Harry Potter film. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess he's n- seen as nerdy, attractive. Nerdy gals and yeah. gay guys who are into Doctor Who <laughs> find David Tennant attractive. He is kind of rodentish. I know. Yeah. In a charming rake. He's like a, he's a rakish rodent. <laughs> okay. That, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> didn't he find mighty mouse <laughs> so um yeah and so that's uh, i know about david Tennant from two things number one uh i know about him from harry potter and number two uh, a lot of fan message boards think that he would be a good riddler so oh. uh and when you look that kind of thing up like i do <laughs> uh you'll see a lot of fan art uh, with watch, him uh, in a green suit you watch Broadchurch. oh i've heard great things about it um but anyway so so you have okay so in this case in the most recent uh, iteration of the two most recent iterations of Doctor Who, you have you have guys that are that are meant to attract mm-hmm. a certain audience. Peter Capaldi is an older man; he could be their dad, right? So, to a certain extent, it's like yes, he could have been black. Yes, the Doctor could have been a woman, but it's an older man who. Right. But that's it, also it's not something that's new to them. Like if you go back in Doctor Who, a lot that, of a lot of older men were Doctor. That's who. true. Or the doctor. Oh, God. Don't send me emails. His name's not Doctor Who. He's the doctor. Okay. I think I saved myself there. Oh, is he not known as Doctor Who? No. His, he's the doctor. Doctor Who is the name of the show. Okay. He's just the doctor. Why is it called Doctor Who? Uh, I think because he calls himself the doctor and everyone's like, Doctor Who. Okay. Got it. That happens every episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it could be called Doctor of what? There you go. <laughs> oh. They're getting, I feel like fans will be mad at that. Probably. Um, okay, so the doctor. Let's let's stick with that. Um, yes, there there has been that uh, in the past, but in the modern idea of Doctor Who, mm. it's like, all right, we got to have the doctor be a certain thing that will attract a certain demographic, and maybe we can get some women in as well because we've got these attractive guys. By casting Peter Capaldi, it's like we're throwing back to this old idea of what Doctor Who is. And so even that... I'm excited. You know, I'm kind of bummed out with, I know it's silly, with uh, True Detective. It's like, huh, Colin Farrell, young and attractive. Rachel McAdams, young and attractive. Uh-huh. I Vince miss, Vaughn, I, formerly young and attractive. True, but he's also not the main <laughs> character. And so, uh, you know, maybe it's the Law & Order fan of me that's like, can we get like a Jerry Orbach in there or something right. like that? I know he's not around anymore. Um, and so... You know, there's but a lot of. Diff- I, I haven't watched as much Law and Order as you have, mm-hmm. but they had Anthony Anderson. Uh, they had yeah, Anthony um, Anderson and Jeremy Sisto. Like were in the the most recent season but, before but it went I'm off. Saying Elizabeth Rome, uh, mm-hmm. they, they they it hasn't all been white men with them. No, that's true. And what's interesting? So why is, can't True Detective take a page out of Law and Order's book and cast Elizabeth Rome already? Admittedly, the the women were always assistant to the assistant, oh, exactly. like a second assistant I DA. I thought she was one. I thought it was... Maybe towards... You... Oh, no, that's not true, because it went... Uh, it went... Michael Moriarty, Sam Waterston, and then Sam Waterston became the DA. But they did not promote a woman. Instead, they brought in Linus Roach uh, to be his, his part. Did you recognize Elizabeth Rome in American Hustle when she was on screen? Or I didn't notice until the credits. Gosh, you know, I don't think I did. Jeremy Renner's character's wife was elizabeth rome oh 
I don't think I realized that. Yeah, I did. I saw her name in the credits, and I was like, who? Oh, oh, that's neat. Yeah. yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And so, uh, anyway, uh, I haven't yet gotten to cr- True Detective. I, I want to go like bit by bit, and just I want to talk, talk about Elizabeth Romo. <laughs> I can't, can't say as I blame it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and so ultimately, what it comes down to is, I, I try to, I try to look for the silver lining where I can, and I will, I'll go back to, um, because I can't necessarily disagree with you that it can be in some ways more interesting. To change things up. You and I talk about, uh, I don't do it so much anymore, but I need to, uh, the fantasy casting. You know, when you when I want to say like, okay, uh, let's imagine they're making this movie now. Uh, and then you always say like, yeah, but don't you want to change like the gender or the, or the, well, or be, the race of somebody? Before, if I participate in the fantasy casting thing, which I hope to do someday, but I'm not, my mind doesn't really work that way. Mm. But I would love mine to be, both because it would be fun and just as an experiment. Yeah. Fantasy recast remake a movie, cast it with a modern cast, but no one can be the same gender or race as the original. Right, and just to show, just do a bunch of those, just to sort of illustrate how many characters would be women of color in movies. Oh, sure. If they, if they did Absolutely. it by that by that rule, and so, but my, okay, let's let's play let's break that down a little bit. Um, and let's go, let's go back to, uh, Alien. I don't remember if I said I was going to mention that. Um, when the script for Alien was written, Ripley was a man. Okay, I'm sure you know that. Well, my, my understanding is that all the characters were men, but it was, um, the writer said from the beginning, uh, we didn't write any of these characters gender, gender specific. Yeah. You can feel free to change whatever you want. Okay. And so, but I, and I think, I don't remember whose idea it was to have ripley the the lone survivor be uh, a woman mm-hmm. i don't remember whose idea that was but it's a neat idea it's an inspired idea um what it was I, at the time what was that it was at the time so, oh certainly now in a horror movie there's yeah. a and the final girl is a trope uh you know yeah. it almost has to be but do that you, wasn't do you think that's then. do you think that starts with alien or does that uh, start halloween. with halloween yeah, yeah yeah but they're they're close enough that i'm not sure you can even say that alien was inspired by halloween right no no like, not at all it would have already been in pre-production probably right yeah i think it's very much its own thing i guess i have a hard time i guess because i, I would rip- say those two movies that one two punch maybe is what uh probably originated the final girl i guess i think of ripley as so strong a character oh, but also texas chainsaw Massacre. i'm sorry i keep uh cutting you off but texas chainsaw massacre also has the quintessential final girl i guess that's true r.i.p yes um, r.i.p she's still on our twitter absolutely or, or, or my twitter Ongoing. We'll see how negotiations that goes. ongoing. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but here's what I'll say is that um, by changing, think of how different Alien would have seemed were Ripley a man. I'd venture to say there would be no, mo- no more, no movies afterwards. I think by making her a woman, especially when going up against a giant phallic symbol like the uh-huh. alien, like the xenomorph is, uh-huh. uh, I think it brought out something in the audience that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Now, some filmmakers might have thought of that, you know, because it sounds like the very first thing that Ridley Scott decided was like, I want H.R. Giger's insane design, and then maybe we'll cast it. Um, and so... Uh, so that was going to happen no matter what. So, so I feel like some filmmakers might have recognized, oh, shoot, if we make this a woman, this is going to take on larger things uh, that were not even necessarily there in the script. Now, Ridley I, Scott. I, 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 like, I think that's a great example. Mm-hmm. 
that um, if you cast a woman in the lead role, in a, especially in a role that would traditionally, uh, or at least instinctively, maybe sure. intuitively, be played by a man, um, whether it's in the script or not, that mm-hmm. adds a new development, which Absolutely. is really interesting. And it adds a new development, but that's a, and Ridley Scott was willing to deal with that development. And maybe, and this is a this is a thing that you and I talk, have talked about on the show before, though I don't think for a while, about uh, casting a, a like Donald Glover as Spider Man. I think he'd be wonderful. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, but of course, with any with any change, whether it be gender, age, race, religion, setting, you know, stuff like that, that could seem superficial it does bring with it whether we want it to or not it brings with it certain cultural dynamics just as ripley being a woman going against this thing now uh that by the way penetrates you with its double jaw um it has a different connotation it has a different dynamic and if the filmmaker is willing to bring that into the story he wants to tell great but maybe the filmmaker doesn't want maybe he feel he or she feels fact that i said he should say should say something um, well we're talking about nick pizzolato here still, that's true theoretically so or we're talking about really scott do you think i don't know if you know more about aliens backstory than i do did hr giger design the xenomorph knowing that ripley was a woman by that point i don't know i don't think so okay. um but I, I i don't know i i went to the hr giger museum i maybe i should have read more of those plaques except they were not in english i would imagine they weren't in english. <laughs> so yeah. um the uh but anyway so I think what it comes down to is this idea of is a is a filmmaker willing to go where that um what do you call it? implication where that not an implication what do you I'll say consequence where the consequences of that decision will take them or will they find it a distraction you know like for example let's say season two okay you know more about true detective than i do because you've seen it and i haven't seen any uh <laughs> season one takes place i mean it goes it, it happens over a span of time right long, long span of time, yeah. but like when when does it start when does it start in 90 or 91 i think oh okay so okay i thought it was older than that um i thought it was like flashback to like the 70s or something like that no okay so let's uh okay so i'm gonna speak hypothetically then um so let's say season two takes place in the rural South in the, in the sixties. Right. Which okay. it doesn't. Which it doesn't. When it does, is it modern day? Uh, I don't know if it's modern day. I know it's in California. Oh, neat. I don't know if it's, um, you know, you know me with my California pride. Exactly. Oh, you're going to be Can't. so excited. Just another piece of California's gold. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. RIP. I, I watched some <laughs> Hulhauser. They still show it like mm-hmm. late at night on all kinds of like, public broadcast uh station i watched some uh in a hotel um the weekend i got married which was like that night like the night before like watching some tv and uh it's only time like he almost lost his temper a little bit which you never see oh wow um but not he had to be stern a little bit because he was going he was doing a trip of different missions okay yeah he was talking to the uh the priest or whatever whoever was like working at the mission mm-hmm. Uh, about one mission and they, they did the whole thing and then he was like well we gotta go we, we're going to such and we're going to the ventura mission next and the guy was like oh i actually used to be the priest there and like started talking that he was like yeah yeah like real and then he and eventually he was like well don't give it all away we still gotta go up there <laughs> hold on um so uh 
but uh, my I've favorite. Um, forgot what I was going to say. Well, oh, my, my favorite California's Gold ever is the one, uh, the hot dog on a stick one at the Santa Monica. The original hot dog on a stick. Okay. Is uh, uh, on the beach at Santa Monica in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. and it's a full half hour, ju- no commercials, just about hot dog on a stick, and <laughs> it ends <laughs> at the very end when he's interviewing the women, and you, you've seen every step of making hot dog on a stick right and then because it's this weird like beach culture some weird woman walks by playing a didgeridoo and he gets sort of distracted by that he's like what's this and so then so (laughs) the woman starts playing the didgeridoo in front of the hot dog on a stick and the woman like the daughter of the woman who founded the daughter of the man who founded hot dog on a stick is just sort of politely standing there while in front of her restaurant well, <laughs> we're just watching this woman play a didgeridoo. And then the end credits are shots of hot dog on a stick being made with the sound of didgeridoo of course, music. Of course. <laughs> Best episode ever. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just, <laughs> he's just me like, oh man, I wish we could do this. <laughs> uh, so what I was going to say is that um, I think, you know, ultimately, as much as it would be interesting to cast, you know, two, you know, two black actors or two female uh, actors in the lead in the lead roles. In the end, like we don't necessarily know the script and we don't know what the priority is. Maybe casting two female actors in the lead role, maybe that would instinctively in the audience it would bring up things of like, oh, it'd be it's you know, and I don't even necessarily mean prejudice, just a thing that we naturally think of that would need to be addressed somehow. Or if not addressed, it's just going to be in the back of our heads the whole time. And the filmmakers, or, or whatever you want to say, they just that's not what they want to do. They don't want to deal with that. They want to tell this other story. And to do this would just cause it to go in a whole other direction. But I guess here's where I'll... Okay, my, my thing with this from the beginning, and I had an argument with a friend of ours on Twitter about this. And... My thing from the beginning was this is not just about True Detective. Right. Uh, This is about a social thing. I still think the show could be good and all that. But going back to True Detective season one. Okay. Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey Mm -hmm. were fantastic on the show. But I don't think that that show is, or or at least that season, was specifically male. Okay. Like, I, I, I don't think that it was exploring maleness in the way that say a Michael Mann movie does. Okay. Um, and so I guess maybe that's in the back of my mind when I think you could tell this story, um, about individuals because that's what it's about. Mm. Um, at least the first one, you could tell it with black actors or with female actors or, you know, any other, uh, underrepresented, uh, uh, class or mm-hmm. not class what's the uh, group grouping sure. yeah um uh in 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 the world so i don't i don't think that the if you want to call it baggage whatever we're going to bring that's if, a good word for it if it ends up let's say um season two of true detective instead of colin farrell and rachel mcadams it's rachel mcadams and lisa gay hamilton or whatever um she was andre brower's wife on men of a certain age oh you didn't watch men of a certain I age didn't say, yeah okay you 
that's so up here. I'm like, I'm not like, I'm not a guy who walks around going, oh, how, how, you haven't seen this show, you got to see it. But you specifically, Tyler Smith, haven't seen Men of a Certain Age, you got to see it. I know. You, you'd love it. Anyway, um, she's fantastic. I'm a huge Lisa K. Hamilton fan. Anyway, um, so the baggage that we might bring, if you want to call it baggage, to those actors um, being on True Detective Season 2, it might add to the show mm-hmm. but based on season one is all i have to go off with i don't think it would distract from something else it would right. be another layer and i don't think that's uh i don't think there's anything wrong with that um i i, I mean is it, is it let me i'm sorry uh, no go continue. ahead go ahead okay yeah, is I it the filmmaker's responsibility to add every possible layer to their work it's not at all. Okay. I, I, cause this is, cause that is another layer, but maybe they were happy with every layer. Um, that's true. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, I want artists to have autonomy. Right. Um, as, as much as they can. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting here mad at Nick Pizzolatto. Right. I'm mad at the world. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's why I listen to punk rock. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, Iggy pop, the clash, all the good stuff. Oh man, I can tell there's a guy I want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm glad I got in the elevator with this guy. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? I'm sorry. That I'm, oh, yeah, I'm not mad at Nick Pizzolatto. Like I said, and like I, like I keep saying, and like I said with our friend on Twitter, I'm still going to watch the show. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a damn good chance that it'll be good. Oh sure. Uh, it. I, I I I'm I'm able to have that reaction and still be pissed off about the underrepresentation of women and minorities in general mm-hmm. in our filmed entertainment. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that this was uh, like, I, I referred to it as a franchise before. Maybe it's a, that's a little premature, mm-hmm. but it's an established property that had an, had a couple of open slots and that's why it felt, uh, like it was in league with what happened with star Wars or what happened right. with Dr. Who, um, or what happened with David Letterman. So, okay, so let me... Why couldn't you get a woman to play David Letterman? <laughs> um, <laughs> did you ever see... Okay, this is a slight thing. Did you ever see that old HBO uh, movie, The Late Shift, with John Michael Higgins as uh, No, but I remember David Letterman's joke that the makeup people won an Emmy for taking a guy who looked nothing like him and turning him into a guy who looked nothing like him with a gap in his teeth. <laughs> um i remember thinking uh the 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 film was pretty good i remember really liking kathy bates and daniel roebuck does a pretty good uh leno um and they bring in rich little and do nothing to make him look like johnny carson um but he just does his impression of him um i like daniel roebuck i do too yeah i like uh river's edge did you ever see river's edge i saw it Uh, only like a year ago no i never did i yeah people tell me that's good. it's really good crispin glover's in that Anyway, that's a whole episode, Chris McGlover, uh, as a person. Um, so I, I will say this, that uh, – so in this particular instance, you're talking about a very specific type of uh, – let's stick with TV shows. A very specific type of thing where it's established, so there's already – it already brings with it viewers or fans mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. It's established, but you can also – uh, you can reboot it basically 
regularly, like a Doctor Who, like a talk show, mm-hmm. uh, like um, like True Detective, or um, I guess even American Horror Story has like an, a, a regular repertory of um, actors, right? Like they come yeah, back. American and- Horror Story. I mean, it's quality wise, it's all over the map. Yeah, but it's a perfect example of what I what I like. Okay. Um, and I don't think those two things are related. I don't think. That, okay. I don't think by being diverse, it sacrificed quality. I think by being created by Ryan Murphy, it sacrificed a little bit of quality. Yeah. Um. In in return for other things, but uh, American Horror Story is has been fantastic in its both uh, gender and race diversity. Yeah. And and again, that's another thing I also have not seen. Um. You know, and uh, I, I don't know. That's a priority. Okay. Men of a certain age should be a priority. Fair enough. You don't need to watch American Horror um, Story. And I think. Ultimately, what what gets me is I think I can also get on board with being frustrated with um, the larger landscape. But when that comes to like disappointment with a specific thing, um, I think that's when I I'm not sure if I'd say here's the thing. If 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 this was after season two and let's say they had gone with Colin Farrell and I don't know, Colin Firth. (laughs) <laughs> just another column they go they go all, and the villains Colin mockery from yeah. whose line yeah. um and then colmini isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah just to shake things up a little bit um and colm fjord yeah colmini by the way should be in every tv show I, true detective season three i will <laughs> i will rest all my comp my complaints if it's colmini and colm fjord <sighs> <laughs> Home detective. That's what I want. Um, yeah. And so, okay. So let's say it's, it's two young, uh, bankable white movie stars. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, or even TV stars. Yeah. What the hell? Your average comb fewer. <laughs> he should, I wish he was a movie star. Yeah. I feel like he'd be a good doctor who that, that's another, anyway. Um, and then the, then the season happens and you watch it and, and you just think like, after all that, and let's say Nick Pizzolatto, 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 Pizzolatto. Um, let's say he still said all that stuff about wanting a woman's point of view. And then he abandons that and does this other thing that he, that he had done the first time around. And then he, at the very least you could look back on the second season and said, there's no reason that had to be two men. There's no reason they had to be white. That I think I'd be more in sympathy with, but the, as you said about season one, um, but there's something about pre disappointment that just kind of, I don't know why it's, it doesn't anger me, but it's just one of those things that like, it just feels like, Oh w- yes, they didn't do that thing. Although it sounds like in some ways he is. Um, but we didn't know that until today. Um, it's like, Oh, they there, it appears they're not doing that thing. And just, and then that disappoint. I feel like you're going to go into the show with that disappointment now. Um, I, I think I can separate it. Okay. Um, especially with something like true detective that was season one was so good. Um, now with star Wars, I don't know that I'll be able to, uh, ruin my disappointment. And I honestly, I don't know that I'll even see it. Uh, I'll see it. I don't, (laughs) but I I don't care. Um, the brand is so tarnished. Um, but let me ask you this and it, it might be impossible to, to, to answer now okay let's go ahead and say that the the rumors are true rachel mcadams is the other detective yeah are you now really going to be watching her character like closely maybe even closer than you would if it were a male saying like all right 
What do you got? <laughs> you said you wanted to explore it. Now I'm wa- now you're watching closer based specifically on her being a woman. And now you're watching it on that level, maybe one that was never it was never meant to be watched as. Uh, but possibly, but that goes back to the thing I'm talking about where because we um un- unfortunately we don't live in a world where men and women are equal in social standing. I believe they should be. I believe that uh, all people are equal in almost every way. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's some physical differences between men and women um, that are not, you know, not, it's not a one-to-one core. And you know what? Wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, but I believe people are equal. Uh, I, I very well might be because um, people not being equal uh uh, or or not living equal lives or having equal opportunities mm-hmm. means that I'm not I'm not I I don't know that I would be watching Rachel McAdams differently because of this thing right but just because she's a woman on a detective TV show yeah I might be watching her differently and I'd be comparing her to things uh like Top of the Lake yeah um which I think did a great job of being a detective crime story and being a story about a you know a diminutive woman in a in a in a in a milieu filled with large and violent men i really responded to um the short-lived unfortunately prime suspect with maria bello i really liked that i thought that worked really well because it wasn't even that she was paired with like a male partner it was the two of them it was about her specifically Mm -hmm. uh i only unfortunately watched the pilot and it sounds like a lot of people only watch the pilot but i thought it was very good because it addressed what you're talking about it was not merely all right, we wrote it as a man, but now it's a woman. We're not going to change a damn thing. Like, it was very specific. She is a woman, mm-hmm. and she she still has just as much, like, you know, <laughs> I, I was, she has as much balls as any, <laughs> as any of the male detectives. But at the end of the, of the episode, like, she goes chasing a perp who's larger than she is, and then it comes down to a, a, a physical fight, and you realize, oh, she is. It, it's not that women are weak. It's not that women can't fight. It's that this man is larger than her. And you suddenly realize, like, whoa, I was going along and everything was fine. And now I'm watching this. And it's very, it was very intimidating. It was, it was a little disturbing to watch, which I liked. I, I thought that was very effective. And, and so this is, uh, so what I'm saying is, I guess, you're, to repeat myself, your question about will, will I be watching a different, well, watching Rachel McAdams more closely now, um, uh, the the what's what's the saying the the cow is already out of the barn the horse is out of the barn the uh, geez, uh, sure I don't know toothpaste is, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube there you go that's a good one despite no matter if, if this controversy had never happened if mm-hmm. Rich McAdams had been the first second and third name announced for True Detective season two I would be watching her character more closely because I'm hyper aware um, as I think uh, increasingly more and more people are mm-hmm. of the underrepresentation of women in our entertainment. And uh, I think I, I think at this point I pay attention to most women characters with that other, with with that other uh, voice in my head. But isn't that, isn't that hyper awareness that that speaks to this thing again? And again, at this point, I don't think I'm even necessarily disagreeing so much as just asking this question because. But you I'm aren't not disagreeing sure. with me. What was that? You are disagreeing. With I me. guess so. It doesn't, in, feel, in it doesn't feel like a vehement disagreement or anything. Yeah, like that's that. what I was afraid of. I guess, but I, I guess you and I don't argue like that. Because <laughs> we respect one another. Not anymore. Um, yeah. Unlike but, that asshole on Twitter. <laughs> Our friend on Twitter. <laughs> Be careful about those jokes, by the way. Um, so, uh, the... 
because that's the thing is you said like no matter what whether whether he said he was going to see it from a, a women's point of a woman's point of view or not uh you're still going to see it with this at the very least the idea of there's not a lot of women on tv in a role like this that in itself is baggage that you're bringing to it and you'll be watching it in a different way than maybe he intended well, but no, now but he no should one probably can... make the he should probably make the proper uh, adjustments knowing that people are going to bring that bag. I don't think he has still. to. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Uh, because uh, an artist, as much as he should have autonomy over his own work, and I'm using he because we're talking about sure. a lot of, I don't, you know, like, anyway. Uh, he also has to throw his hands up in the air by the fact that every person who walks into the theater or turns on HBO to watch a show is going to have some kind of baggage. Right. So, the fact that I tend to th- that that I tend to pay uh, a different kind of attention to female characters, uh, mm-hmm. given what's happened over the uh, in recent months, um, or what's been in the in the air in recent months, is no different than what someone else might bring because, say, they're religious or they uh, grew up in Canada, and you know they're going to pay attention to a Canadian character a little bit yeah. different. Uh, or whatever, whatever thing they have is going to bring it to the movie. And, that, and that's why art is, it's a part of why art is a subjective thing. Right. Uh, so I don't think it's a problem that I, I don't think having that on my mind is a problem because it's not like everybody else is wiping their fucking minds clean before right. they sit down on the TV, in front of the TV. Everyone's got something on their mind. Yeah. Hopefully a, more than one thing. It's something I've been thinking about a lot in the last, I don't know, a couple of years. I'm, I'm not sure even what... I'm not even sure what brought it on, but like no matter what people might think, you never see a movie or watch a TV show or read a book. You never engage with any art in a total vacuum, Yeah, um, which is one of the reasons why, despite what some pe- you know, why you and I talk about what our politics are, why we talk about what our, you know, relationship status is with each other. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, and just, because it's that, complicated. It's boy, <laughs> no, especially after this episode, damn it. Um, but uh, and I feel like that's any any time somebody brings something like that in, they should be they should be aware of it. I do think there's. Um, so I went to Alpha Omega Con this uh, past weekend, and it was wonderful. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that happened already. I went to a, a couple it. of. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it actually looks fun. I don't think I could have made it. It, it, was, it was a drive, right? La Mirada, it was about an hour away. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I went to a couple of panels, and boy, I tell you what, it's one of those things, not unlike a couple of years ago when I went to uh, Los Angeles Podcast Festival for the first time, and just being there and just seeing how many people are excited about the notion of podcasts, when, uh-huh. of course, we never quite know if people are at all. <laughs> I mean, you see numbers, and you're like, okay, that's just a number. Um, so that was exciting, but then also going to Alpha Omegacon and seeing how many of the people there are on board with art. They are on board. Like it's it was more. It's the philosophy of more than one lesson, and everybody there was on board. And during there was this one panel in which uh, there was a Q and A in which uh, this one guy, not to be a jerk, but he happened to bring up. They were talking about the movie Flight. Um, which has, you know, major redemptive themes and stuff like that. Uh, and 
but uh, you, you saw flight, right? Yeah. Okay. So of course there's a fair amount of debauchery in the first couple of scenes. Yeah. Uh, and so one guy in the, in the uh, audience during the Q and a section, he said, he said, now I saw flight and he said, and I, I saw a lot of the themes that you saw. So I, you know, I don't agree with you. I don't disagree with you about that. And he said, he said, but I do, you know, he goes, but I had a hard time getting through those first couple of scenes, you know, just for, you know, there's a fair amount of nudity and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And so the panelists had two responses. One, one guy said, he's like, well, first off, it's, it's good that you were bothered by that because I think that's what the filmmaker intended. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be aroused by this, uh, cocaine fueled, uh, uh, sexual escapade that is not necessarily supposed to mean anything for either person and that both of them kind of regret, um, or at least will come to, uh, but then the other guy said, he said, but even so, even if you were like uh, aroused by it or something like that and you're bothered by that, he said, then that's up to you. That's up to you to know that, to look into that. If that's a thing you're worried about, it's up to you to look into that because yes, artists have a responsibility to their work uh, and to put themselves and whatever it is their own moral r- beliefs are into their work and to be true to that. But he said, but the, you know, that doesn't mean the audience is free of responsibility. And so, and I wasn't, I just happened to be t- talking about that uh, when it comes to like what an audience, an audience realizing that they bring things into a film as well. Right. Uh, but I will actually use that to transition into this, this other idea that, you know, in your opinion, and I would say in most people's opinion, it's important that all different walks of life, all different group groupings, as you said, earlier, um, that they be represented on TV um, or or in movies or whatever, because they have a story to tell. You know, and and the more uh, the more of other people's stories we hear, the better it is for all of us individually, because then you realize, oh, you know, the the superficial things might be different, but internally we're all pretty similar. What's the Roger Ebert quote? The movies are a machine that generates empathy. Oh, yeah, that's a great quote. Yeah. I don't remember that uh, being him, but that's uh, oh, that sounds you, like... You still haven't seen Life Itself, have you? I haven't, no. you got to see it. It's in that. The quote I always go back to is one that he wrote in The Longest Yard, uh, his Longest Yard review. The Adam Sandler one? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that quote, uh, he says, uh, films can help enrich our lives instead of just get through them. Mm-hmm. And so, help us enrich our lives instead of just get through them. And so, um, but what I will say is that... Uh, you know, you are of the opinion that if a, well, uh, maybe I'm, tell tell me if I'm projecting or if I'm mischaracterizing, you are of the opinion that if a TV show or movie has the opportunity and not all of them have the opportunity, but if they have the opportunity to cast a, a, you know, a a black person or, or a woman or, uh, let's say a gay character or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, that they should do that. Would you say, and, and I'll even add in no matter what, if they have the opportunity, they should. Um, no, I don't think there should be, uh, I, I don't like the idea that it's a hard and fast. Rule. Okay. I think, um, that it would be nice if they did. Okay. It would be nice if they would want to, I guess it's like, 
Yeah. It's like the the classic like husband wife argument. Yeah. It's like I don't want you to make the bed. I want you to want to make want to make the bed. Why would and, I want to do that? Yeah, it <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me. Um, uh, what am I quoting? What is that from? I don't know. Any number. I of feel things? like it's from the breakup, but I haven't seen the breakup. I so. think it. I think it is from the breakup. So I must have gotten that. It was in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Um, but uh, I guess that's what I want. Is I, yeah, I don't want it to be a thing like like it's a knee jerk thing. Like oh, we have. Uh, I don't want it to be like a, a quota type thing. Right. Um, I want it to be the the example I used on Twitter is that I don't have a responsibility if I'm walking into a restaurant. The guy behind me coming up the sidewalk is on crutches. Mm-hmm. I don't have a responsibility right. to stop and hold the door open for that guy. But I feel like it's nice if I do. Sure. And that's my impulse. And I guess I'd like to get to that point where it just feels more natural to have a more diverse cast. Anticipating that you would use that analogy, uh, because uh-huh. I have Twitter. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. You see somebody else not open the door. Uh-huh. What do you do? Do you yell at that person? Do you shame that person? Do no. you tell everybody how bad that person is? No, I go get the door for the guy. Okay, so... But I'm not making a, t- a show on HBO. I can't say, ah, this guy dropped the ball, but don't worry. I'm going to cast Lisa Gay Hamilton on my thing. Right. It's... Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. I ju- Okay, I thought... I, I remember this, uh, and this is actually a good opportunity to talk about a plug for a video series that I'm going to be doing okay. on Battleship Pretension. <laughs> good, good. Um, and then maybe a good opportunity to wrap up after that. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I feel like a conversation like this warrants maybe a little bit more time. Um, okay, but it is very late. Yeah, uh, oh boy, yeah, that's true. I've got work to do. Um, so I, I am doing a video series. Uh, I'm kind of dipping my toe into it, so it's pretty raw right now, but um, in which I'll be talking about my favorite characters of all time. At the moment, there's only one video available uh, in which I talk about Don Logan from Sexy Beast, uh, played by Ben Kingsley. So it's about six minutes long. Go ahead and watch that, and uh, and if you have any ideas for future videos, let me know, although, frankly, I already have my list. Um Now, I said I have my list. That list comes from, I basically just needed a general, just something to go off of. And so I went uh, to the list that I posted on More Than One Lesson of my favorite performances, my favorite uh, lead male, lead female, and then supporting and supporting, my my top 10 in each category. And I announced it on, I announced one of the lists on here, and then I said I'd do the others, and then I didn't. Um, Oops. And so... uh, (laughs) It's all promise and no payoff here. Uh, And so, and I did ask, I asked you, and I remember you let me off the hook, which I liked. I always like that. Um, And so, but now I'm, and so that's why I remember. Um, There are no, in in all four of those lists, that's 40 movie characters. Uh In all four of those lists, if I remember correctly, there were no, uh, black characters. Mm-hmm. Now, my question at the time was, because this is about as close as you and I can get to casting a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, 
do I have a response? Now, these are the characters that resonated most with me. Do I also love, what's his name, Alonzo Harris from Training Day? I do. I think he's an astounding character. There's a number of, of black characters that I love. I don't love them as much as these characters. But knowing that I have a admittedly low level, even more so because it's more than one lesson, a low level public forum and an and maybe even a responsibility to get viewers thinking in a slightly different way, do I have an obligation to maybe fudge my own opinion a little bit and get one of these other characters in there and i said just so that they could and you said you don't think so that i have a responsibility to be true to myself yeah and i agree i still stand by i agree with myself okay um i think i'm right um but i also think that uh again i'm not saying you have a responsibility to do anything the thing you just brought up you talking to me about that Mm -hmm. it would be nice if you brought that up you know yeah, so yeah, you're 40 characters, none of them is black. Yeah. But, uh, and uh, if that's, uh, uh, you could say that's, maybe that's part of the uh, bias on the film industry, maybe that's part of your just personal, you know, related to characters who have a similar experience to you, whatever. I'm more comfortable putting it on the industry. Uh, okay. Uh, in any case, um, I, I don't think you have a responsibility to do anything, but it would be nice if you at least brought it up. Okay. At, at least said, like, hey, so here's my list, I stand by it, um, but you may have noticed such and such here's what i think about why that is the case so if because that's that does just as much if not more of a job of getting people thinking about uh representation and it gets and it gets to this idea that i was talking about earlier which is you know a filmmaker is going to tell whatever story they feel like they need to tell and maybe there's maybe the story they they want to tell or they feel like they need to tell doesn't involve characters of a certain race and there's nothing wrong with them wanting to tell that story, but eventually maybe they should start asking themselves, yeah, but why don't I want to tell this other story? And maybe it is for pure motives like we were talking about before. It's like, well, I don't want to get it wrong uh, mm-hmm. and be phony. I don't want to do it just for, you know, just so I can check check a box off and say, okay, I did that. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, and so ultimately what it comes down to is this idea of like, it would be nice if people did If they don't, what, you know, are, are we, how angry do we get, you know? Well, uh, I'll reiterate my, that none of my anger is directed at Nick Pizzolatto. Right. Uh, it's, uh, I guess I separate the art from the artist and I separate the art from the issues as okay. well. Um, I, I don't think I'm angry at any one person or one entity no. at all in this. I'm angry at, um, well, like I said, I'm. Mad at the world. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm angry that this keeps happening. Uh, and it's uh, to to sound like even more of a bullshit faux punk rock character. I'm okay. mad at the system is okay. what it is. Um, I don't entirely know what the system is. Yeah. But I know that it's working. It doesn't work for me, as Anti-Flag said. The system, system, their system doesn't work for you. Well, strictly uh, speaking, for you as a white male, it works pretty yeah, well. Yeah, it works pretty well, actually, for me. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my life has been a cakewalk. Uh, but, um, it's had a, are you being sarcastic? <laughs> yeah, I'm Okay, being good. Sarcastic. Just making sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, as it turns out, uh, white privilege doesn't necessarily uh, inoculate you from pain. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it probably, I don't know, probably makes it easier. I don't know. Hard I, to say. I've never had the other experience. Yeah. Uh, now, what were we saying? I apologize. We keep getting off track here. Yeah. What were we talking about? Uh, being mad at everybody. Mad yeah, at the I system. Guess, yeah, yeah. 
uh, and I guess I feel like by, um, I know people, uh, make fun of, uh, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, I can't even think of what the word is. The, 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 the fake word they use for the faux activism of just tweeting about something. Yeah. I don't know the word, but, uh, yes. Okay. Um, maybe slacktivism, I think is what they call it. Oh, I've never heard that. Um, and it's cute and everything, but I think it really does a disservice to how powerful a tool Twitter is. And the Mm -hmm. fact that being active and outspoken is easier now doesn't, doesn't dilute the number of ears that it's falling upon. Yeah. Uh, and so I might not be mad at anyone in particular. I'm not I'm not subtweeting Nick Pizzolatto or whoever runs HBO uh these days. I'm right. not talking about any one person when I complain about this. Yeah. I'm angry and I'm putting my anger out there in a way that I feel and I hope is productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I do with this podcast too. So again, I'm going to watch True Detective Season 2, probably. It's probably going to be good again. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that I'm not angry, angry about this issue. And I hope by talking about it, people are at least thinking about it more. Let me ask you this. Okay, assuming that Rachel McAdams gets the part. And if she doesn't, assuming some other woman will. Yeah. Um, but let's say that didn't happen. Let's say it's exactly the same demographic as the first season. Right. Would you then watch it? Yeah, like, I'd still watch it. Okay. Would you feel bad about it? No. Because one of the biggest protests is not to engage in that thing at all. Yeah, the but, system has produced a, another season just like the first one with no women or minorities represented. And I, I don't want any part of it. Uh, and I, if, if that's the way people choose to wield their, um, their vote, as it were, okay. I'm all for that. I won't. Because okay. I still believe in uh, artistic quality above all, and so I'm going to give it a chance. Okay. Um, but um, I also think that that's not, you know, thanks to uh, the internet, um, we all have other ways. Mm-hmm. I can watch a thing and still have a uh, something of a bully pulpit to uh, talk about what I don't like about it. Uh, so, uh, I, my, my dollar or my viewership isn't the only thing that I have to speak with anymore. Yeah. I want to go back to something. I'm sorry. I know that we do need to end. I apologize. Um, I want to go back to something that you said, because, uh, so, uh, I enjoy conversations like this. I'm glad it didn't get, uh, ugly by really by any stretch. Well, not um, yet, but I'm about to smash this beer bottle. Oh my gosh. Brandish it. I didn't, I get, I didn't realize how angry you were. <laughs> um, but uh, that idea of artistic quality above all, I want to explore that and see if you actually think it. Okay. Because it's artistic quality above all, but if you can do this, that'd be good too. Yeah, if you can fit it in, I don't understand. If, if you can fit it in. But what if somebody decides they can't? Like I said, I'm still going to watch it. No, I know, but it's, I'm trying to, th- okay, I, I'm, I'm moving on beyond the, the just, just true detective. Um, and this idea of like, if somebody determines that this, that casting a certain person or, or, or whatever, um, or a cer- somebody within a certain group, if they, as the artist decide that that wouldn't be artistically uh, viable for whatever it is they're making, but you as the viewer determine as you did with the first season, 
I disagree. I think it would have been fine if you'd gone the other way. I think it would have only added. Then you have a disagreement, which, of course, happens all the time. You have a disagreement about what the artistic quality, about what constitutes artistic quality. But in this case, in your opinion, you're, it, it almost seems like you're bringing this other thing. I hate to use the word agenda because that sounds uh, nefarious. Uh, oh, I have an agenda. Okay. All right. Well, it's, <laughs> wait, are you being sarcastic? Okay. Half. I'll say, view, I'll say viewpoint. Um, you're bringing this other viewpoint that is not inherently artistic. It's more social. Mm-hmm. You're bringing that into the argument about artistic quality and maybe they're not. And so suddenly, and this goes back to the, the, bra- the baggage that we all bring. Art isn't just good or bad. Right. You know, like if true detective season one were a masterpiece that couldn't be touched, I would, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have said what I said. Right. True detective season one was very good. Yeah. I don't think it was great. Um, I, there are some things I didn't like about it. And there are some things we've talked about this before. There are some things that I, despite myself found myself not liking about it because it had more to do with the audience reaction to it than the actual thing, which I try to avoid. But like I said earlier, you can't avoid everything. Yeah. Um, so uh, rephrase your question. I'm, I'm, getting, having, I'm getting very tired here. I apologize. And and that's the thing. There's so many aspects to it that I'm having a hard time. I had a hard time phrasing it the first time. Um, something to the effect of like, all right. So, okay. You know, I, I'm you think sorry. you got it now? I, I'll, I'll, I, I still value artistic quality above all. And um, if I can look at True Detective Season 1 and say, you could have done this with women and it would still be uh, quite good and possibly even better – then I'm taking the artistic quality into consideration. Okay. Like I said, if it were a masterpiece, I right. wouldn't have said that. If there were, you so know, you're not saying it about there will be blood. Obviously, you're not saying. I right. know no, Daniel Plainview could it could have been Danielle Plainview. Yeah, that's a, that's a good example. I wouldn't yeah. touch a thing about there will be blood. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's perfect. So uh, I don't know if it's perfect, but I think it's as good as it could possibly be. I don't think there's anything yeah. you could do to it to make it a better movie. Um, so I guess that. The two go hand in hand. So in a way, like, uh, we'll stick with the idea of casting for the time being. Um, what you're saying is it's, it's, one, it's one more way that somebody can think outside the box. Uh, I, and, I, of course, that phrase is very cliche. To think artistically outside the box, to really explore what their property sounds like, their work. Uh-huh. Yeah, property sounds terrible. Uh, what their work <laughs> can be. It's one more angle and, you know, and perhaps, who knows, maybe that was part of the decision and they came back to this idea of like, I think I, I think we got to go with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. You know, I, I thought about it with Don Cheadle and uh, Terrence Howard, <laughs> but I think I got to come back to this thing. Um, I don't know. And I guess that's ultimately what it comes down to for me is that as somebody who, you know, it's. Obviously, given the problems that I have with like Edward Zwick and the movies that he makes, uh-huh. that he tells the story from minorities and yet somehow they're still about minorities, but they're still somehow the supporting characters. Yeah. Like that's a thing that bothers me. But at the same time, I also could also I could also see him being like, well, I don't want to be presumptuous. I'm white. I'm telling the story from a white person's perspective. Yeah, and that's why I've always kind of uh I was kind of like Edward Zwick. I think I'm coming I think, around. I think there's on an that honesty idea. to it. I think that I think you're absolutely. I've never that's, seen The Last Samurai. I know that's like the big example that everyone talks about, but it's fine. Glory, Blood Diamond, The Siege, 
Oh, I never saw the siege, but I but those those big three right there, um, you know, and they're period. I guess Blood Diamond's not a period piece, but um, neither is the siege. I didn't see the siege. Okay, so I'm, that's out. <laughs> okay, sorry. okay, it's not even part of the discussion, David. <laughs> um, but uh, and so yeah, so that's something that I'm coming around because he's acknowledging who he is as an artist, you know. Um, but there could be plenty of people that say, hey. You know, go with the program. Tell the story that you that who tell the person tell the story from the point of view of the person whose story it actually is. But that's the thing: Edward Zook's movies are not the like Glory is not the story. Uh, I guess Glory is an ensemble to uh, yeah, uh, and it's extent. so that's kind of a bad uh, example. But um, let's say The Last Samurai, which sure. I haven't seen. Um, uh, just as an example, say it isn't the story about the Japanese samurais. It's the story about this Westerner. So it would be, uh, it, it would change the movie Mm -hmm. completely. If you didn't have the main character be a white Westerner. Oh, right. So that's different than what I'm saying about true detective. Yeah. Um, man, I was starting to head down a, head down a path. And now once again, we keep getting lost because it's a very, is a very big uh, topic. Um, I guess ultimately for me is that I, I think, oh yes, now I remember. Um, you know, there are groups that obviously we would like to see maybe more represented, if for no other reason than because, you know, I don't live on the south side of Chicago. You know, I do live, I'll say this, yeah, I do live, live in a diverse neighborhood. I, well, it's actually not, <laughs> that not that diverse. You're, me, me you're moving here, yeah. More diverse. <laughs> yeah, me moving here really changed the demographic a little bit, uh, really threw people off. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but that's, so like, but we don't, there, there are entire groups that we're never going to, uh, maybe not never, but so far in my life, I've, I've not been in the midst of that experience, you know, right. we didn't live in, you know, in Cabrini green or anything, which admittedly we couldn't have, but still. Um, and so, uh, so I like seeing that perspective cause it's so different than mine. It's one of the reasons I love hoop dreams so much. It's one of the reasons I love the wire so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but season two is your favorite, right? Ah, <laughs> That's uh, just a joke. it is my favorite actually, but you know, what's interesting is, uh, Season two. I'm sorry, I yelled into the mic, everybody. Um, but season, season two, who haven't watched The Wire, um, season two is the whitest season. It is, and <laughs> so that and was the joke I was making. Uh, that's true. Yes, um, it's certainly the most Polish season. I'll tell you that <laughs> right now. Um, but there are a lot of people um, that loved the first season of The Wire. Um, honestly, if I'm uh, Based on what I've heard, like, you know, behind the scenes stuff, uh, a lot of like black audiences loved the first season because that shows like 65% black, which is great, uh-huh. um, as it should be. It's taking place in a city that is that. Um, and then, of course, when it expanded, now knowing what the wire is now and knowing that it's going to expand that world every season, mm-hmm. well, they didn't know that in season two. They didn't know that's what the goal was. So when it expanded into the docks, uh-huh. in which you have you know uh, a bunch of white characters, and now they're the ones being investigated. Sure, like the Barksdales are still there, 
but they're not the primary subject anymore. So now the show, uh, the demographic becomes more white than it was before. And a lot of people thought like, Oh, you're ruining it. You're going, you're scampering back to this other thing. Now, of course, when you look at the show as it is now, you realize amazingly, it's an astounding achievement, I think. Um, and then it goes back and forth almost every season. And so, uh, but that's an example of, of people. I feel like bringing their own, not even expectations because I can't blame them when it's like, oh, finally our story is being told and then suddenly, oh, now it's not. Now it's just like all these other things. So I, I feel like I can understand that, but at the same time, I feel like that's an example of people, especially with TV because TV goes on and it evol- a, a certain show can evolve as it goes on. Um, I think that's an example of people being frustrated um, because of what they want a thing to be. Um, because of, I guess, artistic quality, but also because of the the social baggage as well. And knowing that there's not a lot of representatives, uh, not a lot of representation of this particular group. Um, but at the same time, were I, you know, a fan of the, of the wire and I was black and I watched season one and thought it was astounding. And then I watched season two and think, Oh, well, okay, never mind. Um, so, so you're saying so True Detective shouldn't go casting too many women because they're they're going to alienate their white exactly, male Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, um, but what I will say is that you know, let me throw this out there. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm just getting warmed up. I do have work to do. I'm sorry. I'll I'll, I'll finish this up in a moment. Um, is it now this this falls into my group there are not a lot of representatives of genuine practicing non-hypocritical non-evil christians on television okay the, the, do you the, think like now of course that has more to do with the way it's written but nonetheless like that just I, part of me feels like, and and as we talked about a, a few months ago, um, often when a Christian, when somebody is shown to be a Christian, it's like, oh, here we go. And like, I think I think that's valid um, that you would want to see more of that. But I also don't, I don't know if I actually want to, but whatever. Uh, but if you if people from your uh, demographic want sure. to see more of their representation, that's completely valid. Okay. And it's in the same general discussion of what we're having here, mm-hmm. but it's not entirely the same because. Christian devout Christians don't make less money on average than non-devout Christians. The way we want to make make less money, it isn't harder for Christians to get a home loan the way it is harder for Black people to get a home loan than for right. White people. So the playing field this isn't it's not a one to one corollary. It's not. Right. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's one of our uh, friends would call a false equivalency. Um, That's true, but as far as depiction in the media. Uh, sorry, I won't say the media. That's too big. But in film, there there probably will not. It, it, I'll say when it comes to social stat- standing and what art can do for that social standing, that's fine. But art has done a pretty damn good job of making Christians look as bad as they can look. <laughs> and I feel like uh, that's part of me feels like, well, now you have. A, OK, all right. If it's about me, if it's about art and film not doing something not representing an entire culture that does exist, whether it has power or not. 
But this is where we're getting into the difference between the artistic conversation and the social slash political sure. uh, conversation, which I'm trying to keep it more to the latter. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah, I mean, you make a great point that most Christians, uh, the, as depicted in mainstream movies and TV, are uh, at best kind of jokes. <laughs> sure, if not villains. But uh, it's... I'm not, it's harder for me to get worked up about that because right. we live in a country where you still couldn't get elected president as an atheist. You, right. Like there's still, uh, a lot of power held by Christians or at least people carrying that banner. Right. Uh, so it's, uh, I guess I'm re- repeating myself. It's not equal. And here- it's the same general idea where you're right. It's a group being misrepresented or underrepresented, mm-hmm. but, uh, you could do more good in the political social realm by having more well-rounded black and female characters, and we keep going to black, but it's all—it can be all, any number of things. Non, yeah. All non-white races yeah. could use more representation, more well-rounded representation, and I think having that would do more good for more people than having uh, more well-rounded Christian characters. But again, there's not a quota. It's not like you can't have both. We can have that, both. That'd be great. Uh, we can have Lisa Gay Hamilton playing a preacher. What's interesting, oddly enough, is that if a uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton has never been brought up more on a podcast, <laughs> unless someone, even her, unless even her own, even her own certain age podcast. Right, um, yeah. It's uh, real quick. I will say, interestingly enough, if a Christian is going to be portrayed positively, they're probably black. Um, that's actually true, um, which is strange. Uh, like, well, yeah, the, I don't want to get into speculation, but I feel like that's uh, still that that's a bigger part of black identity in America than it is white identity. Uh, I think that's probably, I think it's, there's a cultural aspect there uh, as well, which is fascinating to me. Even, even in something like the wire, you know, like uh-huh. Omar's grandmother, like goes to church and stuff yeah. and it's like cease fire on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, but anyway, and so, uh, but that's, and that brings up this other thing. And I apologize. Maybe we can end with this, okay. although it's, it's a big one. Oh, please let us end. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so you're talking about art as something that can be used for the common good, mm-hmm. like the common social good. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that, like, it doesn't bother you. I mean, it bothers you to a certain extent, but it doesn't bother you as much that a group that is in power is being, I would venture to say, horrendously misrepresented as opposed to a group that is not in power that's being also underrepresented. Um, but... Yeah, because the playing field's not equal. It's right. the same reason but, but why, why calling... But why does art have that responsibility? Why does art have... It doesn't have that responsibility. It would just be nice. Okay, all right. That's all I'm saying. It would be helpful for people to keep it in mind. But if I said it was... And, and you, are, you are agreeing with me. But if I said it would be nice if Christians and even... To, like, the, God help a character if they're Republican... There's much. There are way more positive portrayals of of Christians than there are Republicans. Hmm. To the I, have, ex- I guess I'd have to. To the extent that there's even, and I don't remember exactly why I know about this. Probably, I'm probably some stupid blog that I read. Um, on like uh, true on uh, True Blood, right? Okay. Uh, apparently, like yeah. the the 
characters go into like a Republican convention and, you know, they just make fun of them the whole time and all that. Um, well, again, so, but, I mean, True Blood, to be specific about it, True Blood, at least when I used to watch it, had a lot of metaphor about gay rights. And right. You have to admit, Republicans are the ones who are uh, oh, sure, absolutely. holding more of a blockade against yeah. that. It was not lost on the writer of the blog. It's like, oh, so the uh, it would appear that the bloodsuckers are uh, uh, Democrats. And so um, <laughs> and I was like, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. That's probably a welfare thing. I'm not comfortable with that. But anyway, um, but that's the thing. And so it would be nice. It, it, all of this would be nice. Wouldn't it, you know, wouldn't it be nice? Um, it be nice? But if, if it were, you know, if, if we're bringing subjectivity into it, I guess I'm saying, wouldn't it be nice if this group that happens to coincide with me, uh, if this group was also represented well, um, but in your opinion, it wouldn't be as nice as this other thing because of the because, social thing. That because can, they're starting from a deficit. Right. Or starting from more of a deficit, if you want to, uh, you know, have that. Um, so, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I would like everyone to be represented. I would like um, the representations across gender, race, politics, religion, all of that right. in our art to more closely represent that of our life but i don't think it's necessary and i also recognize pragmatic pragmatically that some of those reputation representations could do more good than others in the short right. term so i do apologize for framing it this way okay okay telling you in advance it's just a it's a term that i'm using okay i'm too tired to get angry right now so. that's oh boy that's good um you're so you're almost talking about in the in not not in the sense of requirement, only in the sense of it being nice. Uh-huh. Art almost as like an affirmative action kind of thing. No, because affirmative action is a requirement. Well, I guess so. Yes, yes. Yeah. But, so I, I'm against that sort of thing. But it, in your, again, I want people to want to be more diverse. Okay. But if they're but if they're let's say let's say requirement as far as like you being happier with it than not. Um, no, because I'm, it's not affecting my judgment of the piece of art as a piece of art. Okay. Uh, and I think I've made that point. But it will affect your view of the larger uh, system. Yeah, but I, I, okay. I, I guess this is just the same argument I'm having with you now is the same argument I was having with our friend on Twitter. That I feel like I'm perfectly able to separate the social and political aspects of this conversation from the artistic one. And you guys don't seem to want to do that. Oh, I th- I think you can. Or but, you don't trust me to be able to do that. I don't know if I trust anybody to be able to do that. And I'm, and I'm actually okay with that. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to be accusatory. I'm merely trying to, I am genuinely trying to ask questions and trying to figure out at what point does art become, I mean, you and I talk about this with comedy a lot, that comedy is a thing that is that levels thing that levels the playing field and often should be used to bring more powerful groups or people down mm-hmm. um and so like that's a thing know, you and sure. i again and now we're getting to this ever this we keep coming up to this issue of requirement i don't know if it should i don't know that a i don't know that a comedian has a responsibility to do anything other than make his audience laugh that's true but I, or her maybe, audience, Tyler. I'm sorry. Or her. Audience. I'm sorry. Wait, did I say that? <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, perhaps uh, rather than require, maybe like it would be. It's it tends to be more effective when somebody who's in like a higher, uh, who's like higher 
in their social status gets brought down than somebody who's low gets brought lower. Like that's, that tends to be more effective. It's yeah, why so art is, a, uh, it reflects life. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, I think it tends to be more effective when there are more uh, things that we can find as corollaries. And so I like that uh, word. What's that? I like that word. Well <laughs> okay. done. Um, so I don't think that, Every movie, like, I'm not saying, well, we can't have science fiction movies because uh, I need it to look like right, the modern right. day. But I, I, I'm talking about extrapolating the way the world is now so that it is recognizable to a larger audience um, uh, and therefore can have more of a, an emotional effect. Mm. I, I, I don't like uh, – I think – we live in a society where you and I, as white men, are far less called upon to see the world from other points of view than a minority or a woman is. If you think, just think about how much of the entertainment is from white male point, points of view, it's uh, it, it becomes a prere- prerequisite to going to the movies a lot of the time mm-hmm. for, for minorities and women to uh, take on this burden of, I'm going to see the world through a, the mm-hmm. eyes of a different experience. And you and I, I think you and I as lovers of art and as a, and as just uh, sensitive uh, thinking people um, try to do that, but we are less, there's less, uh, there's less necessity for us to do it. We are we are put in fewer situations where we have to do it than minorities and women are. Uh, this might be a wording thing that I that I disagree with more. Um, that it's, I think we actually do need to more, and I think we're called upon more. We just don't have to, and we're less required to. Whereas if you are a minority, I guess, yeah, I guess and you this got, is a semantic. Argument. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a small thing. So I I think I agree with you. Um, yeah, and so um. And I guess, you know, this this goes to another conversation that we'll be doing uh, on another episode, which is why is art important? Right. Which that came about. I won't say how. And I probably won't say how on the episode because okay. it, it, it'll be uh, throwing rocks, which is no fun. Yeah. But um, well, it's a lot of fun, but uh, it's it's beneath <laughs> us, hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, somebody recently uh, I heard somebody on another podcast talking about just really denigrating like what art is and how important it is and how real it is compared to other things. And it really bothered me because you realize, are you shitting me? Like art. And he never said, this guy never says art. He says just, I won't, I won't, I can't go into it because then I might be getting too specific. But, um, but that's the thing is, you know, by representing a group that is not often represented in life, Art gives you the, gives you and I the opportunity to see things that we would never see otherwise. I, I go back to hoop dreams. We would never see that story in in our everyday life, even if you and I did exactly what we've done uh, as far as where we've lived and all that. We would never see that story. We probably wouldn't even know that that's a thing that happens. That in certain communities, it's like you either you either get a basketball scholarship or you are right. basically done. Well, we um, know it from listening to. Notorious B.I.G., right? Absolutely. I was listening to him earlier. (laughs) 
Yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, obviously I was listening to the guest soundtrack earlier. Um, I was going to tell you, it is available digitally. Yes, I purchased it. Um, and uh, I love it. It's I amazing. I wish they'd put out an LP, though. That would be nice. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Maybe maybe it'll do it. But, and so, uh, but so it's art is important in that it can do that. And then I guess my question was, should it be required to do that? And you're saying it shouldn't be required to, but it would be nice. And I guess then my larger question, and maybe one that cannot be answered, is that, like, if it doesn't do that, and that frustrates you, if that frustrates you and other people, what, like, like, you're voicing your frustration over something that it would simply be nice. Like... If I, I can't, th- that's the thing. I'm trying but to think the, of uh, of an analogy, and I can't. This I, I can't think of an analogy it's either. But that, that's I love analogies. My getting upset about it, mm-hmm. and hopefully other people getting upset about it, is uh, hopefully going to cause more people to think of it down the road, mm-hmm. uh, including again, I'll use the word for a third time. Hopefully, people who have the ability to make these sort of decisions, right? But I think it's telling and it's specific to my point of view here that this is that, I, that i'm separating the art from the, the the other thing uh my reaction isn't to season two episode one it's not like season two episode one is over and i'm going fuck i can't believe that it was just colin Fer- colin farrell and vince vaughn i can't believe there weren't more women in it or whatever right i'm reacting to casting news yeah it's something that i compartmentalize yeah. as being separate from the art that's it i thought of an analogy damn it all right. What's your what's your analogy? It better knock my socks off. I'll do what I can. Um, and I think this analogy will, will actually serve both of our purposes. Um, being married, you come to realize that there's a lot of different forms of communication. And there are things that, frankly, the other person requires. And I don't mean demands. I don't mean that they're like an asshole about it. But it's literally like... Everybody experiences love in a different way, uh, and some things are more effective than others. And so, like, I realized that for my wife to feel loved, this is a thing she requires. Sometimes she knows it, sometimes she doesn't, but this is a thing she requires. There are things that I require. Then, of course, and and if – now, hopefully we're both aware of it and we can communicate to this other person, like, this is a thing I genuinely need. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, there's the the things that are options, the things that would be nice uh, it would be nice if you did this, but it's not a necessity. You are not required to do it. It would be nice if you did it. And then obviously if it doesn't happen, we can, we can voice it, but I don't think we can voice it to the extent that we would voice like this thing I said I need, it's not happening and we got to do that. But no matter what, I'm still going to, I still love the other person and I still, and this thing of, the thing that would be nice that may or may not be happening, that's not that's not going to have an effect on it. If something that's required is not happening, I think we are much more justified in in almost insisting upon it. As opposed to if something is merely nice if it would happen and it doesn't, I think you can we can still air it. Uh, but it's not necessarily a deal breaker in the same sense. It's okay for you to say I'm I'm disappointed that the casting could have gone the, the casting went this way, but I'm still going to watch it. Right. You know, it is not for you 
a an absolute requirement. Whereas if season two of True Detective turns out to be specifically sexist, <laughs> that will be more of a turn. Just every mo- it's like, okay. <laughs> just every moment Colin Farrell is just shitting on right. on uh, And he's the hero. Rachel McAdams is basically Lucille Ball uh-huh. just constantly getting into trouble. Oh boy. Alright, we ended on the laugh. Uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can uh, email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at The Pretension. You can follow Tyler at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. Anything? Oh, yes. Okay. Our most recent episode, we talk about uh, a few, like a month ago, we ta- you and I uh, talked about our uh, sponsor, Believe Me. Yeah. It is a Christian film. I can now say officially it is the only Christian film in the history of the world uh-huh. I've ever genuinely liked. And in fact, really liked, uh, there is a, a history of, uh, artistically tone deaf Christians saying about some film, like finally a movie I can take my non-Christian friends to, uh, those non-Christian friends are angry now, uh, <laughs> cause they would hate that. Believe me is a comedy that is genuinely funny. I think you would enjoy it. You, uh, by you, you mean me, I mean David. You, David. Okay. I think you would enjoy it, and I think the listeners would enjoy it. Uh, it's a comedy first. It puts character first. I I cannot. It's not perfect, but the ways in which it is not perfect are the way that your average movie is not perfect. Not in the way Christian movies right. are not perfect, <laughs> which is uh, quite imperfect indeed. Um, so we talk about that, comparing it to the older film uh, uh, Elmer Gantry. So uh, okay. check out the film. Uh, it's very good. That's at morethanonelesson.com. Yeah. My other podcast is the aforementioned TV podcast, Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. This week we're talking about Amazon's Transparent, and we're talking about the season premiere of Saturday Night Live. Uh, so thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 